Betting. The Final Frontier. These are the voyages of the Bet with the Best podcast. Its mission is to explore better ways to bet on races, to seek out new successful players, and to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Welcome to the Bet with the Best podcast. On this podcast, we're focused on betting. We won't be giving out picks, but we will be going in-depth with a guest expert horse player to find out how they approach the betting side of the game. In our previous episode, our inaugural show, we had Marshall Graham on. It was a great interview. Totally evergreen content, so I encourage you, if you have not listened to that in that episode and you like this one, please go back and listen to the talk with Marshall. And if you like what you hear, please let us know. You know, give us some likes out there in the Twitter sphere. Give us a good rating on whichever platform you're listening to. Give us a review. Share it with your friends and retweet it. Whatever it takes, we want to get some momentum going. Make sure we can continue to bring in new guests and and continue to inform you on the betting side of the game, something I think is really underrepresented in the contest world, at least in terms of content out there in podcasts. And I'm really excited for episode two. I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Um, Another great horse player. Uh, He's a professional. He's made a living at this for quite a while. He claims he's semi-retired now. He's hit a million-dollar pick six in Hong Kong. He's won the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. He's always entertaining and informative. And I'm really looking forward to this guest. And uh, his agent insisted that I play some walkout music for him. So on comes Tommy... Hammer Masses. Welcome to the Bet with the Best podcast, Tommy. How's it going, Chris? Thanks for having me on. Oh, I really appreciate you're willing to spend some time with the listeners sharing some of the things that have made you successful as a horse player. And to get started, maybe tell us your story. How did you... Um, evolve into a successful player you know tell us the path from when you got started to where you are today well it's uh the first time i went to a racetrack it doesn't really count it was uh 73 i was 10 years old at woodbine secretary was running and i didn't even know who secretary was till at least 10 years later even though i saw him win his last race so all the my uncle my cousins they were regular race trackers and we went to the track and we showed up there late we left after that race i didn't really enjoy it it was crowded noisy i didn't like it as a 10 year old kid and years after that i don't know if it was five or six years i was in my teens and uh we lived we lived in toronto and basically it was like three or four houses around the same two little l streets and my we'd uh, gravitate to my grandmother and grandfather's house and I went over to see my grandpa and he said get away from me go home go somewhere like I never seen my grandfather mad he was steaming 
And I went to grandma, what did I do? He goes, it's not you, it's your uncle and your cousin. They're in shit, right? So I go, I'm staying for this. <laughs> they, were, they were older than me and kind of, you know, bully you a little or whatever. So I was willing. So anyways, they came in and my grandfather laid into them about going to the racetrack and you guys, you know, you work hard and we came to this country and we worked hard for every little thing. You want to go blow it at the racetrack. And at the end of it, my grandfather said, here, you know, your your other cousin, you know, is here. He, he's left at home to play with the girl cousins. And why don't you take him to a movie or something? So the next night, my uncle and my cousin goes, come on, we're going to a movie. And we're going on for people in Toronto, the QEW East. We're coming. I see these big, bright lights. And I say to my uncle, oh, we're going to a drive-in neat. And they start laughing. It was Greenwood Racetrack. And, <laughs> and we go in there and I go, I'm telling grandpa, I'm telling grandpa. And they said, no, you, you, we'll leave you here. <laughs> so anyways, when I went in there, I, I wasn't really happy with the idea. I was scared I was going to get in trouble. And then I saw all the cool guys in the neighborhood were there. I'm going, hey, hey, all the cool guys in the neighborhood there was great. One guy, you know, sent me to get coffees. He gave me like a dollar change. I'm like, wow, a dollar, man, like a dollar. You're set for a week. You can treat your friends. And and then another guy later uh, cashed the ticket. He goes, here, kid, here's $5. And then, you know, needless to say, the next day, I was sitting on the hood of my uncle's car. And you know, <laughs> I, I was hooked at that age. And, and I really didn't gamble for a long time going there but you know i was the coffee boy got to the point where i could go to the one girl uh mutual clerk and she would take the bets because she knew i was getting it for the guys and cashing tickets I, I was going home with money every day you know this was this was the greatest thing on earth and you know so i was hooked on greenwood racetrack and that atmosphere it took a while to get into the gambling i saw a horse once that kind of looked like trigger and you know that uh, like blonde tail and blonde mane. So it was a horse called Ray Baldan with Mel Corbett in the bike. And every time that horse ran once a week, if I was there, I bet $2 on it. And I progressed from there and basically uh, became a degenerate gambler, horse player. You know, the first few jobs I had blew my paycheck in one night and got to the point, you know, going year by year by year and then kind of an aha moment came one day the lady that was in charge of uh keeping track of betting at, at woodbine and it was something new we never you know she said you're tommy right you're tommy masters i go yeah she goes you had the like the third or fourth best uh return roi from all our customers i go really she goes, yeah, you bet, you bet like a hundred thousand, and you cash like ninety-seven thousand. And I said, you know, where the hell did I get a hundred thousand from? It, it didn't <laughs> dawn on me that you know, you know, your money recycles, you know, and recycles and recycles. And I'm going, wow, I almost broke even. It's just like you know, un, it's unheard of, you know, like to me, like I almost broke even playing this game. So I started to think about it then, and was kind of holding my own for a while and I got a job offered to me and it was kind of an OTB outlet uh, where the bets were written down on, you know, on a piece of paper. 
and I, I ran I ran that for a guy and, uh, and we're, we're saying this isn't wasn't a totally legal operation is that what you're telling no, me? no it was 100 percent legal just <laughs> okay. the machines before pre-machines okay <laughs> and so when you get to see when you actually get to write down other people's bets and that's where I was learning I look at these bets and say what you know like you get to see how bad they are when they're written out and I start to learn from that. And I even, you know, I would, I would, you know, take the, the, the papers at home and before I, you know, throw them in the garbage, I go over them again. And you see, you learn some mistakes. And then, you know, one of the first things I learned then was to write my bets down. And I still do it. You see me with my little book everywhere I go to the track. I got a little, you know, four inch by three inch notebook. And I, and I write my bets out. I like to look at them, stare at them and analyze them, see if there's, worth playing or not. So that was kind of the turning point there. And I started betting, I started betting offshore and the guy was betting offshore with, uh, he says, I want to talk to you one day. And, and then, so we sat down and talked and he said, cause I've never seen anyone as good as you, but you bet like a little girl. And he goes, listen to me. He said, he goes, forget about Mr. I, used to, I still have a Twitter handle, Mr. Belmont. It's still there somewhere. And, you know, at the, the, the little place, I used to go to an OTB a restaurant, uh, one with, you know, run by the track. And the waitress called me Mr. Belmont. The people that didn't know me called me Mr. Belmont because every time, you know, I give the waitress a $5 tip. She goes, what did you hit? And I'd say Belmont, right? And so this guy told me, he goes, you got to stop playing Belmont. You have to play Woodbine. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, no, no, no. Listen to me. He goes, he, he just made a statement to me. He goes, what's the pick three pool at Belmont? And I said, well, from 100,000 to 170,000. I think there was two of them back then, depending on the day. I think there was an early pick three and a late pick three, if I remember well. You know, not the first three races, but anyways. And he said to me, what's the pick three pools at Woodbine? And, I, and it hit me right away. They were like 3,000 to 5,000 back then. And it hit me because the offshore, your money, you know, the money didn't hit the windows. So, you know, you can, you know, make a $100 pick three or pick four where I was playing way back then and, and not affect the price. And he goes, listen to me, he goes, I'm going to put the money in the account, right? He goes, we'll go partners. And he goes, trust me. He goes, we're going to win. And I'm going, I don't know about that, right? And he goes, trust me, trust me, just so about uh, a month goes by or six weeks go by and we're down about 30,000. And I said, I quit. And he goes, no, 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 no. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. I go, I'm doing fine. I go, I can't sleep. I'm dizzy doing fine. And he goes, don't worry about it. Don't worry. You don't have to pay. I go, what? He goes, just keep playing. You don't have to pay. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And he was right. We never looked back, man. We never looked back. And, and, you know, the secret, you know, it's like people play for rebates and that, but I had the biggest edge over anyone with a, a huge rebate. Being able to bet $100 pick threes, $100 pick fours, $500 doubles and exactors, could win up to 50000 in a race at most tracks. And, and you know, you, you didn't move the, the needle on, on the prices. You know, you bet a $500 exact. I, I put it this way. I hit, I, hit, I hit doubles and pick threes for 50000 with only, you know, three to 5000 in the pools. So just, you know, wrap your head around that. So it's a big edge and, and we took advantage of it. And, you know, that, that was my bread and butter. People know me, you know, playing contests and Hong Kong and hitting a pick six at Keeneland. 
Uh, I made huge scores. I've knocked out bet three, six, five for about probably a half a million in, in, in my lifetime. And just, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and get shut down, open it up on somebody else's name and bomb, bomb, bomb. You know, I hit bet three, six, five, you know, people are against fixed odds are nuts. So yeah, as a replacement, no, but as an additive thing, why not? Like I, I hit them a hundred dollar bet, a three horse parlay at Woodbine. I knocked them out for 127,000 on a hundred dollar bet. And, you know, you tell me where else you can do that like that. And, and I took advantage of them. I got, you know, 23 to one on a 16 to one. Uh, I think it was 16 to one or 11 to one on $11 horse and seven or eight to one on a six to five shot first time starter. So that, that's, that's where I really made my living playing horses. And by the time I got to, you know, where I hit Hong Kong, I stopped doing all that. I don't need to do that. I'm, I'm basically going to the track like a tourist. I still, I still do, you know, a fair bit of homework, but I'm not playing, you know, I'm not playing seriously. And especially coming down to the States, I won't do that while I'm down here anyway. So I don't want to get in trouble. So I kind of stopped that, but that, that was my bread and butter. That's, that's basically the big edge I had to become a professional. And, you know, as I was going through that, you know, at the beginning, you know, we were, we were holding our own, making a small profit, not, not, not a real, you know, not to the point where we're, I was making enough of my end to, you know, I was making enough to survive, never had to work. And I wasn't happy with that. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to drive a Cadillac and smoke cigars and own horses. I wanted, you know, I wanted to make a good, good living. So Another turning point was I had a friend of mine. Uh, I, I was good friends with him and his wife. His wife really liked me, and I, I they had an open door policy for me. I didn't have to phone her, and I can just knock on the door and go in and have dinner, hang out. So I knock on their door one day, and my friend goes, uh, "Bad time, and you got to go." Right? I go, "Okay." And his wife goes, "Who's that?" And he goes, "It's Tommy. He's leaving." She goes, "No, no, come in, come in, come in." I go, "What's going on?" He goes, "Well, he goes, we're having a group meeting from work, and there's this general here to speak to us. And he goes, yeah, you, you better leave. And his wife wouldn't have it. He goes, nah. she goes, come in, just come in, get something to eat. She goes, don't don't listen to your, your buddy here, right? So I come in, and this general's talking, and he's talking about something called uh, change leadership. And it's going in through one year, out the other. I'm kind of like half falling asleep. I'm eating, you know, I'm, I'm not paying attention. And he wasn't even finished yet. And I went out back for a smoke. And when he was done, the general came out and kind of cornered me, right? He was a retired general from the Canadian army. He goes to me, he goes, uh, did I bore you? I go, yeah, kind of. He goes, well, why are you here? And, and when I told him, he goes, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, I didn't know that. He goes, I thought you were part of the company. I go, nah, I just friends, you know, I told him the story. I came and she invited me in. And he started to talk to me. He goes, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I bet horses for a living. He goes, really? I go, yeah. He goes, well, did you hear what I was talking about, the uh, the three C's of leadership or change? And I go, yeah, kind of. He goes, well, he goes, the first one is uh, to communicate. He goes, uh, do you do this alone? I go, I got a partner. He goes, do you communicate? I go, well, if you call me talking and making all those decisions, communicating, uh, yeah. And he goes, well, no, he goes, well, your partner has nothing to add. I go, no, actually my partner's smarter than I am. And he goes, well, why are you making decisions? Well, I go, he's got a family, he's got another business. So he kind of, you know, he's like the, the owner of the company and I'm the manager. And, 
And he goes, well, if he's, you know, that much smarter, you gotta, you gotta, you know, let him be part of the process and, you know, communicate with each other and get him to, you know, and I said, yeah, you're right. What am I doing? This guy is, you know, he's smarter than me any day of the week, understands gambling better than me any day of the week. And here I am because he put me in charge. I'm kind of shutting him out kind of thing. So, you know, and I go, wow, that makes sense. And he goes, uh, the, the second one is collaborating, right? And, you know, just to cut it short, with collaborating, it's that's when I, you know, he's trying to explain it to me. And, I'm, you know, he's going, every little, the dumbest employee could come up with a good idea. So that's, you know. I started to think about that. So I started to read uh, Ron Gearkink in the form. He's still there. You know, the guy looks like he's 40, but he's been there forever. So I started reading his comments. I read Jim Bant. I, I just absorbed everything, whether I thought it was good or not. And sure enough, there's always, you know, that two cents sometimes make a dollar when you got 98 cents. So, you know, you, you, I'm going, wow, man, this guy, this this guy, you know, really changed my outlook on things because, you know, we're looking at it, a bunch of guys just playing horses, even though we, you know, we should enough because we are playing it seriously. And then the third one was to commit. And that's the key is to really put the time in to not, you know, not let anything get in the way, not hang out with your friends at the track, don't have a beer, don't smoke a joint at the track, don't, you know, really, really focus and commit to what you're doing. And and this guy really changed us from a couple of horse players who could make some money to looking at it as a business and it's the proper way to do things. And, you know, I don't know, but I meant, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a guy who's looking to get a positive ROI or, you know, be profitable. I want, I need to make a living. I, I don't, I haven't done anything for a, a while. I, I like to spend money. I like to enjoy finer things in life. You know, I'm not, I'm not a splurger, but still it takes money. And, and when, you know, when you go through spells as a gambler, you got to overcome these things and you still want to buy all these things. So it, it's really committing to it as a business and to, and to really make it my living. And that general, I can't even remember his name. It's a shame, but it's, it, it really opened my eyes to say, Hey, this is not only a job, it's a business, it's a company, a two man company, even by yourself, it's a one man company and run it that way, you know? And, and so that, that was one of the major things that really got me now on the step to being more profitable and, and really focusing on the money and everything. And so then the next stumbling block would be, uh, you know, Are you still there, Tommy? Sorry about that. Uh, okay. We lost you yeah. there for a second, but you're back. Yeah, so okay. it was just an incoming call. Sorry. So, so uh, the next thing I'm saying, you know, sometimes you're hot, right, and sometimes you're cold. And is it a lucky streak? You know, that's what you think. Hey, I'm 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 going good or I'm going bad. And it's you know I come to the conclusion it's not. I'm just not seeing the ball, right? I'm not why. And so I talked to a guy I knew, and there's just another guy who was like a a professor at a university, a young guy, and you know he. he He's talking to me about study techniques, and he said when he has to cram, when he has to cram for an exam, the one thing he would do, he would hold in hold in his urine. And I said, what? He goes, when you hold in your urine, your brain really focuses. Your brain prioritizes. Your brain says, okay, go to go go to the washroom, and then you're not going to the washroom. The brain goes, okay, he's not going to the washroom. Why isn't isn't he going to the washrooms? Because he wants to read the form. Well, okay, let's really focus on the form or the exam or, you know, whatever the book. And 
and that worked. And then you know, my doctor stopped me from doing that. So don't do that. That's not healthy. But <laughs> so one thing I used to do is I, I would always handicap the night before. And I kind of noticed, you know, you know, sometimes when I handicap in the morning, I do better. So the same guy told me, he goes, he goes, do you do crosswords or anything like that? Word searches? I go, yeah, I do. I do crosswords. I like to do, you know, take a shot at the one in the paper. I go, I don't get too far in them. They're pretty hard. He goes, oh, he goes, just do them. And he says, uh, so he says the three-letter word that's, uh, you know, not a dog, but a, and it's A-T if you come up with cat. And then the next one is what is the the third largest city in Mongolia, if you say, I don't know, and you move on. So your brain is filtering, so you know you're focusing. So going through crossword puzzles, I figured out the best time was in the morning. That's when my head was clear, and, you know, through trial and error, just with crossword. So I know, I know basically for a fact, and it's not every time, but I know my brain is sharp in the morning. So I stopped handicapping at night. I'll... I'll look at replays at night. I'll put notes into the form and that and all that stuff, you know, like basically data entry. But the thinking part, the, the real handicapping or the ticket structuring, I, I did it in the day. I did it in the day and that really started to click. And, you know, I learned too that if I broke my routine, and I think this is really important, like, you know, I'd have a routine and my routine right now is I get up, I have coffee, just relax a little, and then I go for a walk. And I usually get up, I'm a bit hyped up and nervous, and and so I go for my walk. And my walk usually calms me down, levels me out. If it doesn't, I do something that I did. I You know, I used to suffer for depression. Uh, I kind of battle it, and one of the things I do to calm myself down, I will go into the fetal position and, and I'm not kidding. I'll play music from 62 to 64 when I was in my mama's, you know, belly arms and crib. My mom used to tell me, you know, music used to calm me down when it stopped me from crying. So I learned these things to calm me down and I get to the track and I'm calm and relaxed and I'm focused. And if I'm not, I really don't want to play because I know what's going to end up happening. I got to be calm, relaxed. I like to be at the track early. I like to sink into the atmosphere, be part of the furniture. I hate playing from home. So you learn all these things on the optimum way to play horses for me anyway. And then uh, another thing, uh, you know, going through dealing with stuff that throw you off now. So, you know, we talk about being, uh, hot and cold and, and all that. But a lot of times you're, everything is good. And, uh, you, you get a, you lose a tough photo, you get a DQ and how do you calm yourself down? So you got to learn to calm yourself down. If you're not calm, you got to stop playing. You got to quit for the day. And so managing all these things that the most horse player doesn't really think about, you know, are all important. And, and going on that track, uh, I don't know the right terminology, but, uh, you know, whether it's serotonin or whatever, the, the reward receptors in your brain. So, um, 
Yeah, there's like dopamine and serotonin. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. all different. Yeah, so all that, you know, the, I call them just the reward receptors in your brain. And when it comes to gambling, we don't, those things don't work alone on winning. They work on the action, the rush, right? And you get, you know, it's easy to get addicted to that rush. And that's where you make, that's where you make uh, action plays, you know, plays. You, you don't, you think, yeah. I don't really like this horse that much. I'll only bet 10 bucks on him. And you're going, it, it, it's not a calculator play. It's an action play. It's your brain say, come on, give me some more. It's just like doing drugs or sex. It's the same thing. It's you don't really need it, but your brain is crying for it. And you find a way and it costs you money. So to get that stuff, I found something that worked and, and it works for me is I carry this little tube of, it's like a, uh, like an oil. It's like, it's vanilla. And vanilla sets me off. And one of the first girlfriends I had, who I was mad about, she always smelled like vanilla. So I get this vanilla and I swear to you, I rub it in my nose and rub it on my mustache. And I smell and I go back to her. And that gives me that, that you know, that little brain orgasm, I guess is the right way to call it, right? <laughs> so it's it's being it's being aware. Yeah, no, I tell my friends that they think I'm they think everyone thinks I'm just messing with them when I tell them that, right? I go, what are you smelling? I go, my girlfriend, which girlfriend? The one I had when I was 16 here. And they go, okay, this guy's nuts. But it, it really is what it is, right? And, uh, you know, and those things getting carried away. And I'll tell you another thing. I don't want, I try not to watch the races when I'm at the track. I'll listen to them. And I'll, when they're halfway down the stretch, I'll put up, you know, if there's something, you know, I'll, I'll put up my head and look at the wire. I don't want to get caught up on it. I don't want to get caught up in that, you know, the rushes, the mania, because they throw me off, you know, they, they throw anyone off, you know, so it, it's those things that, you know, I, I can't think of anyone else who thinks about those things. I'm sure there, there is, you know, if you're, you know, a real pro gambler, you got to so, sooner or later realize that, you know, your brain, your brain will take you to where you don't want to go. You know, it's going to take you to where you want to go. So I try to, you know, it helps me keep an even keel at the track, relaxed, and to do things right. I think it's it's paramount to me anyway. And it, you know, and it's more to me when I say to me, it's because those are the things that, you know, cause me ruin. And and as a gambler, you know, I used to, I was at the point where I I couldn't stop gambling until I was broken. You know, just rush, rush, give me that rush, give me that feeling. I want that feeling. So. You know, putting that into check. Yeah, hey, listen. If you're a weekend warrior, good. Go have fun, and you know, you know, set your your receptors on fire, right? <laughs> to to play right, to play right. No, I have the. I'll tell you where I have fun. I'll go to uh, when I'm down here in Florida. I used to go to the dogs, and that's where I can just you know, bet ten or twenty every and have fun, and, and you know, get off on it. The same with Pompano. I used to love going to Pompano because it wasn't. It wasn't business. It was pleasure. It was just fooling around. So, you know, and not only there's those self-brought-on distractions, the worst thing you can do at the track is really go with your friends. Hang out with your buddies, have a few beer, have fun. Who do you like? Blah, 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 that, that, that. If you want to play serious, it's the worst thing you can do. And, and, and it was hard, man, because I grew up with guys at the racetrack. You know, we grew up as little kids together hanging out at the racetrack, right? And I just said, you want to hang out with me? You sit there and shut the fuck up and excuse my language. But, you know, like, 
but I try to stay away from distractions at the track. And, and I enjoy, I enjoy, like I said, I enjoy hanging out with, you know, if I'm not playing seriously, I enjoy, I enjoy hanging out with the boys at the track and having fun. So, you know, that's basically, I got, you know, once I got all that under control, you know, the only things, uh, you know, I, I, other things to, to keep your head clear, you know, I went over the action bets. The number one thing I see is like, I don't want to say betting for rebates, but I've seen guys make bets just to reach certain plateaus in their rewards to get to the next level. And that's insanity. You know, it's like, you know, if I bet another $400, I get an extra percentage point or that kind of stuff is insanity. Uh, worrying about ROI is insanity. You know, I put it in the, the clutter department. There's, you know, everything that really there's so much in horse racing that is clutter you know is a th- can a three-year-old beat older horses can a filly beat the boys all this stuff all this useless stuff that it goes through all our heads and worrying about worrying about uh anything than the basic you know betting right and making money and it's just it's just it just can be a downfall and i and i, I know guys who you know their downfall is betting for points or betting, you know, to get to that next level, to get their rebate higher. You know, if you bet it and you get there is one thing, you know, and, and it is a thing and in, in more in Canada. I don't know how it works in the States, but Canada, the more you bet each week, you get to a higher level. And on top of it, you get points on top of your rebate, which is crap in, in Canada. You get, you know, you get these points. Now you can get forms and now you can get dinners and all that. And I know guys who basically make silly bets just to get that points. So you touched on a lot of stuff and a really interesting history, unlike any that I've ever heard. But I want to follow up on a couple of things you said. And first of all, you talked about what you thought were sort of useless things, useless information. What it, what is the the useful stuff that you use? You know, what's your approach to that? On talk a little bit about handicapping on you know what you think is useful and how you approach that, and then also what's useful in terms of the betting. I mean, what isn't noise? What what are the things that you do focus on and use? Well, you know how how to get to, how to get to, uh, how to handicap or how to get to winners. I'm sure you know. There's different ways of doing it for sure, and I'm not going to say my way is the only way or or that. And, and I don't really have a way. I've gotten there a million different ways. So I, I think the focus is, and, and, and the game as a whole, is missing what we're doing right now, my friend. Because I think gambling is... I used to say 70% of the game. Nah, it's, I think it's n- at least 90% of the game. And I'll say even higher because, you know, like if, if you just showed up at the track a week ago and you get the form or whatever, you know, nah, you can't really win. But I, I sit around a lot of guys can really handicap well, and it doesn't matter. They can handicap better than me, and they still need three jobs to feed themselves. So... It, it's it's gambling, man. So what's the useful from the gambling perspective then? What information do you rely on to help you? You know, how do you make decisions about what races you're going to bet, what pools you're going to bet into? I mean, 
how do you get well, to the point where you're ready to make a bet? Okay, so uh, I, I'll, I, like, I like playing, you know, pick fours, pick fives right now before it would be doubles and pick threes because I could really take advantage of where I was betting. But so just say I walk, I, I'll play a, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, March 18th, uh, San Anita Park, which I've been starting to play now. And people can complain about short fields and this, but one thing I really like about Santa Anita is there's no there's no strangling. <laughs> you know, it is a track that you know, you, compared to like New York, where, where they strangle that strangle everywhere, like crazy. Everywhere, yeah. there's no rhyme or reason at Gulfstream, but at Santa Anita, and a lot of it is because it's I think it's in their heads, and maybe it is. It's like a speed conducive dirt track, and even the turf is pretty fair. It's not speed sometimes, so. I just noticed guys have horses that go to the front. They all go. They all rock and roll, especially those these mile dirt races. They're stacked four or five wide every turn. I love it. And and a lot of times they keep going, but it really it really makes it it really makes your uh, you know trip handicapping, which I love. You know, it's like my bread and butter. Trying to figure out how the race is going to run. I, I go listen at Gulfstream. You try to figure out how a race is going to be run. Good luck, Charlie, man. It's just, you know, I, I don't really play New York, but I just noticed playing, uh, you know, my, the genesis of me starting to play Santa Anita after all these years was the Golden Gate uh, Santa Anita happy happy hour thing, right? Golden hour. Golden hour yeah. double and pick four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I play the pick fours and I go, well, I'm good at synthetic, so I'll, I should adapt to Golden Gate and five-minute handicapping. Well, over for two at Golden Gate, two for two at San Anita, over and over. And this is with no homework, no notes. I'm just picking up the form and, and basically, you know, playing a twenty or thirty dollar ticket. You know, playing a ten dollar base bet and spending twenty to forty bucks, or just taking a crack at it for you know, just for kind of like sitting there with my friends, like kind of a, an action bet. But my action bets are always, you know, forty dollars to make forty thousand. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not just not looking to. To hit the ticket. So, anyways, I, I gave up on that. So now uh, the coast to coast bet, uh, Gulfstream. It's the coast to coast, right? Gulfstream in Santa Anita. Right. That's the new one they started. Yeah. Yeah. So here I am. I do all this work at Gulfstream. Same same stuff. I get knocked out at Gulfstream. I'm doing well at Santa Anita. So I started focusing on Santa Anita, doing my homework on Santa Anita, doing all my notes on Santa Anita, and. I really started to like this track. Yeah, I wish there was more horses, but that's fine. So anyways, uh, on this date, March 18th, now I look at the early pick five like I always do, and I'll go through it, and I'm, what I'm looking for is to find one race to build off of. And even if I find that one race, I don't always play it, so... I went through my notes. I went to race five. This is on March 18th. I had a note on the three-horse Varoma that, you know, he, he got a little bump at the start, and, and he really closed good down the lane. So I know that if he gets something to run at, you know, I look at the form. He's definitely going to get something to run at. I also had a note on... Uh, on a horse that I didn't really like, but he was uh, he was... Ended up going off at forty to one, the one horse of Vince Bella. So I go, okay, perfect scenario. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really key off an eight to one and just play a baby saver ticket. So if I'm playing, 
or $5 tickets off of the three Verona. I can play a 50 cent or a dollar ticket off Invencibella and the math works. So now I got that race. I go to race one. And if I have a rule, kind of a rule that if I don't care about the takeout of 15%, versus 25% really that much. But if race one, I got to use three or four horses, I'm not going to do that. I'll just skip the race. Unless they're all prices, right? You know, if they're all if they're all eight to one, 12 to one higher, I might play, but I'd rather just skip it and play the pick four. But I looked at that race. I, I had a note on number six, not now. And the race set up for him. So I, I, I go, I'm going to single him. I knew he was going to be, you know, three to five to eight to five. He went up at even money. So I go, there's a single. I go to race two and I didn't have notes, but it looked like a meltdown race. And the one Granada flavor, you know, a fair price. I knew I was going to get a fair price on him. And I go, okay, I'll single him. I just couldn't, I couldn't use, uh, you know, I could have used two backups in there, but I'm not going to, if I like a seven to one, Nothing lower than seven to one is really going to hit my ticket, I don't think. Not as a backup. If I like them equally or more is one thing, but I'm not going to, you know, where, where I'm, I got a strong opinion on a seven to one. I'm not going to use a, a three to one or two to one or a five, to, you know, not even a six to one as a backup, you know, just. So I said, okay, I guess I got to key that race. Got to the third race, and there's a horse that I. I knew would be favored. He ended up being one to two, uh, the nine horse boss. Sully. I go, wow. I go another single. So I'm going, okay. So I'm just, this is not, you know, etched in stone, but it's my rough copy. Cold, cold, cold. Let me look at race four. So I look at race four and see if I got, first thing I check is if I got notes, I had a, I had a note on number three, Mongolian Panther, but, it was, it was an iffy note, and it was going from six and a half on the turf to a mile. I got out of that horse ain't hitting my ticket at any price. And I had a, a note on number one, Smooth Like Butter. And, and Smooth Like Butter, two starts back, my note was, you know, bumped hard to start, you know, wide, close, good. I go, perfect. My note in his next, next start, which I bet him after that start on February 18, was hanging rat, never again. <laughs> So here is I have a negative note on this horse. And the more I looked at it, it was like, you know, the the second race, all the speed horses. And I couldn't take any, you know, just couldn't make it. I go, well, and, and this is a race I won by a nose. And he went off at six to five, right? And I really like Tiago Pereira. You know, he's out of time them off the pace. I go, okay, you know, even though I had that note, you know, I just can't, you know, you can't just have things etched in stone off your notes. Or you got to be able to adapt, not play them if the pace scenario is not right or the class is not right or the surface is not right because you had a strong note. And even though I had a negative note on this horse, the more I looked at it, I go, I just can't use anyone else. They're all going to knock heads. And this horse, you know, I hate to take horses that chug along at six to five. I, you know, I love betting 20 to ones that just chug along and have to get, and everything felt perfect, you know. So now I got four singles and the race with a strong opinion, I got two horses. So 
I'm starting to think, and I know most people, you know, everyone, everyone on the planet, I think would be looking to add more horses, but I have a different strategy. I said, okay, so race one, I'm going to play a pick five. If I lose the pick five, big deal. All that extra, any extra horse I could have put in anywhere, I can just use that money if I lose race one and play the pick four. If I lose the pick four, right, in the second race, I still have a ticket that's, uh, you know, I don't know if I would have played it, but one to two onto six to five, onto eight to one, and onto 40 to one. I, I still got to pick three that I might, I might, you know, knowing myself, I might have only played it off the one, which I really didn't like just because of the, the value. But, you know, I'm not looking to hit pick threes or exactors that pay $40 or $60 or $80. It just does, does you know, kind of not looking to do that. But anyways, I go, so let me lay it out this. So the, what I ended up doing is I played a pick five, cold, 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 cold. And in the last leg, when I got there, I go, you know what? I did a $2 all. Cold, 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 four colds and all. Now I got a $2 all in the race that I, I like the most. And then I did a $4 ticket with, I think, four or five of them. And then I did a $4 ticket with the one and three, the two horses I like. And then I did a $12 ticket with just the three. I ended up getting it 22 times. 22 times paid 1600 for a dollar. But also at the same time, I'm playing rolling doubles, pick threes and pick fours that were cold, 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 two horses and cold, 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 cold. So even though I spread on that pick five, I knew that if I got there, if I got there, I'm probably going to, you know, I'm, pr I'm probably going to still be up money. Like I'm going to be up money for sure. You know, I hit a $65 double. I, I hit a, a pick three that paid, you know, like $30. And I know, I know I'm going to hit the pick four and pick five on that last race. So why, why not get some, you know, get some more, you know, I was, I was guaranteed in that last race. I think I was guaranteed four to 6,000 fourth. I think it was 4,000 was the worst result in that race. So it's just having, you know, notes and opinions and, just playing them blindly. You got to adapt. You got to, you know, you do things where in race two, where I had an eight to one, I'm not going to use a favorite for a backup. But if I'm getting to that payoff race and I'm covering myself, basically uh, that $2 ticket. So without the two horses, so it was basically a $12 cover and then uh, so three, two, two $12 covers basically to guarantee at least 4,000, which is peanuts. And I don't mind putting myself in that position. I'm not a hedger. I'm not, I really ain't, you know, a guy that's looking to cover with, but I put myself in a good, I got to that race and I go, okay, good move. And when, when Varoma came in, everyone in Christine Lee's, you know, heard about it that golf stream so i don't know if that made sense but it's been able to adapt and and really just gamble instead of handicap in a way sometimes
You there? Sorry about that. I was on mute. Um, yeah. So I want to follow up a little bit on what you just said to kind of yeah. uh, pick on it a little bit, not pick on it, but uh, make sure I really understand. Your main opinion early on was that eight to one shot is what got you started on the sequence in the last leg. And then as you start evaluating each race, you kind of landed on, on a horse that you could lean on in every leg. So yep. you decided just to single them all, get to that last leg. And the only thing I'm not quite, I didn't quite follow because I expected when you got the last race to say you, then you were going to play those two horses you liked in the last leg, but then you spread into an all. So kind yeah, of explain see, a little bit but, more but about the, why you okay, did that. So the pick, that, that's a pick five bet, right? So I played the pick five. I'm a, I know if I get there, right? If I get there, I'm also playing, now I'm also playing outside of the pick five. I'm playing doubles, pick threes, and pick fours. The pick four the pick four was cold, cold, starting in race two. It was cold, 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 those two horses, and cold, cold, cold onto my strongest opinion. I know I'm going to play that, no matter what the result is in race one, because I'm, I'm cold. So I hit the double, I hit the pick three, and that pick three I paid, I didn't think it was going to pay that short. But it's instead of adding other horses, I had opportunities to make more monies on bets I, I really don't make. And and another thing is too, I don't know that double, I don't know if that double is gonna pay $40, $60, or $180, you know, in this day and age. But anyways, I know if if my numbers all come in, I'm gonna make a killing. And if I get to that last race and I'm alive, uh I'll put it this way. I, I hedged, it cost me. It cost me like $12 to hedge where guys will get to that last race. And, you know, guys that you see all the time, they're missing the 240 to one shots and they put a hundred bucks or 20 bucks. So I don't mind hedging if it costs me $12. And especially when it's going to guarantee me something, it was a real small percentage of my, my outlay. Trust me, a real small percentage. Right. And it was because you had singles in all the other legs. So it was really inexpensive to cover those all with a small play. And then, like you said, you then pressed the ones you liked, even in the pick five, but you also had had those numbers in the pick four leading into that. And you had made some other bets along the sequence. So, yeah, it's uh, like hedging like that in the first race. No, it might not make sense to some people, but I know if, if I get to that, you know, if I get to the end off of four cold horses, right. I got to get something for that wager. Forget about the other wagers I've already cashed on, but that pick five wager, I got to get something. And, and it's not, you know, I, I really spent peanuts to cover myself. And, so and it's, I, a, it's a good feeling because like, I'll tell you, uh, they don't put a, I, I was alive on the, on the one horse in that fifth race. I was alive for more money, you know, on, on like, I had a I had an eight dollar ticket on him, and and it was paying humongous off of that horse. Like that was a real home run if that forty to one shot gets there. And, and I didn't think because he was you know he was ten to one in the program. I didn't see him being at forty to one. I, the one if I made a mistake, if I made one mistake, is that at the end on that pick five, the one was a better result than the three. So. There's six to one morning line and 10 to one morning line, right? 
Right. And, and I, I really didn't think the one was going to be 40 to one or 15, 18. You know, you don't when you when you think a horse has a shot, you don't really see him 40. So the way I played the ticket, the, the three supposed to be I thought the three would be my best result by a mile. Ended up wasn't. So if I did make an error, that's it. And if anyone thinks the way I laid that out, if shooting twelve dollars to get me back four thousand for losing minimum is a bad mistake, well, I'll make that mistake. So is that typical on a pick five? I mean, you showed me some of your other plays and they all look similar. If I remember right, is that kind of the normal structure where you're, you're not spreading in maybe one leg or two leg, but you're kind of cold singling typically two or three legs in the pick five. Is that? Yeah. I won't, you? I won't, yeah. You know, basically, you know, the way, the way I play, I don't really care. I don't really care about uh, the odds on individual races. I could care less if I have a single that should be eight to five and he's one to five. I could care two shits about that one bit. I, I, I'm pretty good at looking at the sequence and say, this is a pick four, this is a pick five. If any one of my tickets hits, I'm going to make a home run. That's all I need to know. And that's because you know you're getting really good value in most of the other legs, right? Well, whatever. You can call it, put it this way. If, 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 if you single five, eight to ones, right? And they're supposed to be 15 to ones. And I hit that for 20 or $40. I don't think there's a human being alive who's going to quibble. <laughs> right? And, and so that, that no, I, I, I perfectly, I, I understand what you're saying there. So yeah. do so you I, also, I don't wanna, that's clutter. Like it's, cl if you start thinking of clutter, I look at it, I'll, I'll give you an example. First time I bet on uh, races from Dubai. And I think it's the only time. So a friend of mine begged me to take a look at a replay of this horse. He goes, this horse is a monster. You can beat California Chrome. Right. And he just hammered at me and said, okay, I'll look, leave me alone, please. So I look. And I find another horse in the race, and these two replays, the horse did the same thing. Went to the front, tucked in behind horses, and back through the field to last, and come flying. And I said to him, I go, I think you're looking at the wrong horse. Or he goes, what do you mean? Or I go, did you see this horse, Prince Bishop? Right? He kind of, that's, a, that's kind of a big race where you fire out to the lead. You know, you're sitting right behind two horses, and then it's like you, the horse you know, swallowed its tongue or something, falls all the way dead last, comes wide and comes flying. And he's going, oh, I didn't look at that and this and that. The next day he goes, you got to read an article, right? And I said, okay, again, read this article. So it's the trainer of Prince Bishop saying, the horse despises the kickback. And he says, when we run in the big race, we're going to go to last and the instructions are to go 10 wide. So he said he's going to tell the jockey, go right dead last, you know, four or five away from the kickback so no one, it doesn't reach you. And when you make your move, go 10 wide around everyone, avoid the kickback. And I remember it was, I was at Gulfstream Park and I told my friends and my friends are pretty good math guys. And I said, I love a horse today. He's going to dust these horses, right? And he goes, you know what the takeout is on those bets, this and that, right? I said, uh, not enough. He goes, what do you mean? I go, it's five minutes to post. I just pounded him, and he's 16 to 1. I go, so I could care less if the takeout's 99%. You're giving me 16 to 1 on a horse that I think is 
better than California Chrome or just as good as California Chrome? There's, there ain't much for me to think about it. And, and, and that horse did exactly what the trainer said, and he went for fun. And it's just, you know, I, I call it clutter. Yeah, you know, when we, you know, I play a different game. I don't play that EV game where guys are grinding out and, you know, uh, you know, making all these show bets and win bets and trying to, you know, mooch pennies here and mooch pennies there. Well, I, how, how are those guys are doing? See the monster they created. You, you got these elite guys coming in and and, you know, coming with, uh, you know. 80 men teams of mathematicians and quantum physics guys. And, and, you know, I'm going to play, I never played that game. I'm going to play that game. You want to play that game against them? I don't want to play against them. I know, I know a game. I like to play against them. I like to play when there's a pick, you know, do I play a pick four, pick five? Uh, Do I want to play in the 15% takeout where they might not be strong in or the 25% where they might be strong? Well, if I got a horse that I think can, you know, bust them out, I want to play against them. You know, if I got a horse that's, uh, you know, 20, 30 to one, that, that's a single, I want to play. I want to play against those guys because, you know, when, when, when you get the horse that's not in there, uh, whatever you call it, you know, that's where you can really get the only time you can really, I think, get value. I, I don't really think about them too much, but I'm pretty sure, you know, when I hit Hong Kong, I hit a 60 to one shot and, you know, and those are the kind of shots that knock those guys silly because they can't come up with them. I can. So is there usually a horse like that? And is that, is it takes a horse like that to get you to play the sequence? Some horse no, where you think? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not not at all, because when, when I was playing back in the day, Woodbine playing offshore, and Woodbine went to the 20-cent pick four, and it took one day, an eye-opening day, where like two 30-to-one shots came in back-to-back, and I'm out, and I'm going to get a coffee, and taking the long walk to the Tim Hortons to get a coffee, three guys are coming up there, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, right? And basically... Uh, I still remember uh, Steve Ashmanson was there once and he had a four to five and like the, the three to one second choice beat him. And that thing came back. Nothing. Now I'm going, what, what's going on? Right. And I'm starting to think about it. I go, sure. All these Liberace's with these 27 bets spreading hit it. So I changed my whole game back then. You know, I, I didn't mind hitting pick fours. I hit a pick four once four chalks, all, all paid, all paid the cheapest and they were all picked on top. And that pick four came back like $126. $100 cold one was, you know, $12,600. That's, that ain't bad action. You know what I mean? Now, now in this, you know, this is pre, pre these vultures, right? These criminal vultures, you know, that, <laughs> you know, the 20 cents and all that, they just grind you to, you know, you can't play that game, right? The, the, the chalk game, you know, I don't really know how exactly how they work. I, I know they, they basically cheat. They're basically cheating, and I don't know if you're going to get to it, but they shouldn't be allowed in the pools. Anyone who thinks they should be allowed in the pools is out of their mind. Anyone that thinks more people should have access to do what they do are out of their minds. Just kill the game now. Everybody wants to, you want to pray. You want to pray on the guys coming to the track with $100. Is that really where this game is going? Is that the American way? Let's, let's, 
prey on these people, make them work at our stores for $7 an hour, don't give them nothing, and, you know, suck the living shit and blood out of them till they die. Is that the game we really want? These guys don't belong in the pools, not not a, not a, with the advantages they have. You know, they, they got advantages of money. They got adva- other advantages that I get in life. You know, you earn advantages. But when when the racetracks turn the key and open things for them, that's not fair. That that that's not fair, you know. That that's to me when there's a group like his are looking at things, they should be looking at that. And not not the guys who were doing this. The guys who were doing this, my hat goes off to them. They're geniuses. They should have statues built about them. You know what I mean? I, I'll say bad things, but they're not the bad guys. The bad guys are the Mike Rogers for Stronach and the other guy from California. The other guy, all these executives all over the place. I let them in. Let them in the back door. I, w- I wish I came up with it. I wish I could rob the track. I'd love it. You know, it's not a morality thing for me, but, you know, for these guys doing it, they're geniuses. My hat goes off to them. No, they're heroes to me. But the, the racetrack executives that let this shit go on, shame, 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 man. Shame. I just love to see their their bonuses are all got to be all on gross, gross handles. Well, I was going to ask you at some point what you thought about the computer teams but i don't think i need to anymore <laughs> yeah no no they're great they're, they're, listen they're great i give them credit no, i really do give them credit they're smart people and you know really really found but it's it's the people that gave them the access are are, are the bad guys the criminals not them so that knowing their existence it sounds like it's changed the way you know some of the pools that you play in or avoid right is that a fair to no, I don't know that I, I, I kind of put it into clutter, right? I kind of the way I play, like I said, the way I play, I played that, you know, that uh, you're, you're good at quick math. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Arithmetic, well, you mean, you know, like adding and yeah, multiplying. So but that, that pick that pick five I hit, you know, the, the, the winners were four dollars, sixteen dollars, three dollars, four dollars and sixty cents, eighteen dollars. It paid eight hundred for fifty cents. I think I got pretty good value. Yeah, and you and and, and I hit a twenty-two dollar one. And so you use some low price horses, but you use them as cold singles. So yeah, and they don't play that game, do they? <clears throat> right. Well, it depends on the sequence and and the but team. They, but they, yeah, but they do they do I'm look not, at listen there's teams right. and then there's the A teams you know right. what i mean no they they look at playing weighted combinations yeah. and they're yeah. typically playing lots of combinations but they're just playing some yeah. you know at a much higher um, yeah. uh, amount than others yeah so it, it's kind of the way i play anyway so it's like you know if i can bust them out with a 30 to 1 shot and and Believe me, I'm not just taking stabs at 30 to 1s. I very rarely find them, you know. But if I do like one, I don't hesitate. I wrap everything around it and, you know, and I'm I'm not surprised when they run up the track, you know. I'll take I'll take my shots. It doesn't, you know, like I said, I'm not just searching for them. But but if if I can, you know, if I can smash something, you know, on a on a 2 4 or 6 combination ticket, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? I don't. I don't think they're gonna. They're gonna hurt me. You know what I mean? And if, and if I step it up, uh, I might hurt them. You know. You know what I mean by hurt? I'm not gonna hurt them, but you know, I can for one one sequence. You know, take a fifty dollar bill out of their pocket. So you mentioned like finding a thirty to one shot. 
can you know what what are the kinds of things that would lead you to a 30 to one shot i mean you know that i know probably a lot but i give me is there like some examples where this is why i like this is the kind of 31 yeah, shot i might well, key in a pick five or a pick four the mo most long shots i found if you want to put them into one category it's the meltdown so the closer into the hot pace kind of scenario yep Yep. And you know what? I, you know, I kind of keep track of horses that make big runs in the stretch and you just got to be patient and really wait for the right price and the right setup. Because horses can fly like rockets down the stretch every day. If they don't get the right setup or in the right class or not, they're not going to get there, but you know, you get a real big price and, and, and that was that Granada flavor. Didn't look like much, but he was a horse that could, you know, that comes, you know what I mean? And especially the uh, Varoma and the fifth race, this horse comes, comes, but it, you have to get, you have to get that set up and you got to be patient to get it. A lot, a lot of times I'm hoping horses like that, you know, come third, fourth, fifth, four or five times in a row. And people take a look at the form, a quick look at the form without doing the work. And they look like, you know, like, like hangers, like, uh, you know, peace horse, you know, you're the say peace horses. Well, if to me, if a horse at 30 to one is a peace horse, he finds his way to the top of the list real fast with me. I don't got to bet as much money if I don't really like him that much. You know, it's, it's, it's to a, a 30 to one shot. Am I spending, am I spending, you know, $40 in a pick four with a 40 to one, or am I spending 400? You know, there's, and sometimes so, with the, sometimes with the $40, you know, you can, you got to weigh it. You know, I can, I can make a nice score with this, you know, so it does sound like though you focus on like right now i know you focus on woodbine when they're running it sounds like you kind of uh have landed on santa anita is there just like one or two tracks that you're playing or yeah are i'm you... gonna I, i'm pretty sure i'm gonna i've kind of had enough of woodbine because the three surfaces really and, and it's the same thing at uh gulfstream right now i don't i don't mind uh synthetic i don't mind turf really but when they're going from synthetic to turf you see these races are going up and down in class they're going from synthetic to turf and you know it's just mind-boggling sometimes how, how do you, you know and then and then I, I don't know how guys who use uh speed figures or you know whether it's buyers or rags or thoroughgraphs i know if you're using them at woodbine you're getting friggin slaughtered because no no really you just see like you see sometimes it's and, and you see a horse it's five to two in the program looks like a standout because he ran a certain distance on this course compared to the other horses that ran a half furlong shorter on the other course his number is 12 points lower or you know what i mean and it's just it's just a mismatch it's just mind-boggling to try to to correlate what what's a speed figure at Woodbine on the synthetic, the inner turf, and outer turf, because it's three different distances that basically all the horses are sorry, three different surfaces that almost all the horses run at. So Gulfstream, you got dirt horses, and then you got the horses that run on the other two surfaces, really, right? But at Woodbine, you got 80% of the colony, they run on all three. And how do you gauge all three? And that inner turf course, I hate it you know it's just it's just impossible to handicap if you're an all player that's for you you know what i mean 
press the all button, get an accident and get a bomb. That's not my type of game. And it just really try to avoid it. I try to wait for days where it's, you know, rained out, you know, I'm praying for rain and, and I love the sun, you know, so to play. So I don't know. I really, I'm really starting to get interested in Santa Anita a lot. And I've really never really, I love going there. It's a beautiful place and I've never really focused on it. And, you know, I used, years ago, I used to just bet the hill races. I had a little, you know, thing going on the six and a half on the hill. I used to try to just play those races. I like those races because you can, you can hit some nice, you know, the, the opposite of what uh, Marshall said last week, he's looking for less things to go wrong. And then that hill, I was looking for more things to go wrong and, you know, try to try to get that find find the, the, the 31 that's really fourth choice and hope three of them get in, you know, into a K Bosch around, around the turn onto the dirt and that, but, you know, I was messing around with that and catching some big numbers, but really never played Santa Anita. I really like what I, I really like that. They just go, they go. That's all I want. I want, I want that, that race I picture in my mind to, you know, somewhat resemble what goes on, on, on the track. It's funny that you say that because, you know, when I first started playing horses, California was the main tracks I played and they went a lot harder than they do today. Um, I mean, back then they would send everything and just about every race. So you would have loved it back then. Um, it was, it was definitely a, a different game. So if you like those kind of, you know, uh, meltdown races, do you play, we've talked about horizontal bets. Do you make vertical bets very much? If so, you know, what kind no. of pools? No, know? I don't, I don't, I don't like exactors. I don't like trifecta, superfectas. You're just all about the, you know, picking it, the winner it, and stringing them together. Yeah. You know, I'm, 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 I'm the kind of guy, I don't mind investing 300 in a sequence key in a seven to one. He wins by 10. I'm out the next race. I lose 300. I can live with that. It's the way I play. I'm just looking to, you know, hit home runs and that. So I know a lot of guys can't stomach that. It takes a, a long time to get used to something like that, but I'm used to it. So I just don't, you know, if as long I'm as really, you have vanilla on your mustache, you can handle it. Right. Yeah. I, I keep my mind. <laughs> I, I really, I really, I really, if I get angry at the track, it's like three seconds and then I'm just back to normal. I just, or else I also just go home. Very rare that I go home though, but I learned, I learned how to just keep myself calm and relaxed and that, and I just know it's a long game and, you know, I play a different long game. I'll, I'll give you an example, guys. Uh, so I'm pretty good at math and I know if I go into a crap table and I bet hard fours and hard eight, hard tens, the odds aren't that kosher but i also know that if you look at odds over a long span yeah you're gonna get killed but i go into a casino i don't go often but if i go i just bet fifty dollars hard for fifty dollars hard ten and i let it roll till i take all the chips or i lose and i've gotten to the max of enough times to where i i'm ahead of the game even though the math says i shouldn't be ahead of the game because I'm not, I'm not running it 10,000 times. I've run it 
60 times. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, when you're talking about low probability events, um, you know, there's certain runs where you're going to hit a string where it's profitable. But like yeah, you said, if you play long enough, it, yeah, so, your, your profit will disappear. Oh yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to sit there and just play hard four and hard 10 all day, but I make one bet, I lose, I stop. Right. I might not make another bet for a while, but it's just, you know, you want to call it lucky, whatever. I don't call it, you can call it lucky, but when, you know, I did it, I did it at the NHC. I think it I can't remember the hotel, but they, they gave us a hundred dollar chip in the, in the, the swag bag. Right. I remember that. I went to the washroom. I came back. I saw a crap table. There was only a couple of people on it. And I put my hundred dollar chip. I said, 50 hard four, 50 hard 10 working. It took about four minutes to me to get to 8,000. And I remember the dice rolled off the table. Four on the table, three on the floor. That's seven out. Didn't count. I took my money and I went up and continued with the, the contest. Well, that Call that's it. definitely lucky. <laughs> maybe, yeah, but maybe. But 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 if you if you if you bet fifty hard four right, and now you got four hundred, and then now you know you split that to two hundred, you get sixteen hundred. You let it ride. Uh, I probably wouldn't be at the craps table to begin with Tom. yeah not either i was just thinking i was taking a whiz i was thinking <laughs> but i'm just saying this i i, I i've seen I'll, I'll tell you a story i've seen a guy in in uh atlantic city years ago he took all the chips he took all the chips at the back at the the blackjack table somebody pretty, i know took all the good. chips he just kept letting it ride kept letting it ride kept letting it ride and he had more guts than me because when he got to the limit he got another guy to sit beside him and bet the limit again. And then he got another guy to bet the limit again. And then bomb, 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 bomb. And he had all the chips before, before he lost a hand. Uh, that's pretty amazing. You just got to let it roll, man. You got to let it roll. I don't know the math on it. Right. But short-term math, you can beat bad math long-term. No, of course not. So let's get back to the horse race betting. Do you bet pretty much the same amount? on your pick fours and pick fives, or do you vary it? Oh, you know, no. What's okay. the most you put into it or the least? And how do you decide how much you're going to play? It, it It's really, it's, you know, if, uh, if a small bet can make me a score where I'm not super confident, it's worth it for me. So what's a small uh, bet? Give me an example. I mean, you don't have to, but if you would, like, what would be a small bet for you on a pick five or a pick four? Uh, well, today when I left, uh, before I left, uh, I bet San Anita, I bet a $10 pick five that cost 40 bucks. And then I, I did another press that cost 20 bucks for $10. So I could have hit it for $20 and ticket cost me $60. And, you know, I didn't win, but, you know, I had in the sequence a nine, you know, a horse uh, that lost at nine to one. I had another one later that was four to one, another one that was, you know, like, so it was like, you know, it's going to pay something. So what about one that you like more? Like what, how much would be, would you be playing in a sequence? You really like it. Well, if you're playing, you know, San, you know, another thing too is, you know, San Anita's got real short fields, right? So my tickets are real, real short, and 
basically, you know, it, it, it's a different, it's just, a, it's different. Like, you know, I'll put it to this way. You know, when, when guys have, uh, they do the A, B, and C. Right. Well, my, you know, I don't really, it kind of automatically registers with me, but my, my, my scale is like one to a hundred on an A. I got an A that's a hundred, an A that's a one, you know, it's like everything is different, right? It's every, you know, how much I like each horse in this sequence in the first pick four compared to the late pick five, it's always different. It's always different. There's no, I have no template. That's for sure. And just kind of go by feel and what, what, yeah, how many no, horses are there? There's no really one thing I like, like I said, if there's a pick five in race one and a pick four in race two, I will try to go a skinny in the first leg for sure, or I'll skip it and play the pick four. I'm not going to use five horses in the first leg of pick five too often. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. It does sound like one thing you like to do is, um, you know, maybe be aggressive in the first leg of the pick five. And if you don't no, hit it, no, just yeah, play it's, the pick four. Yeah, yeah. The pick four, just, just cause of that, you know, like, you know, why, why should I play a, a, a 50 cent pick five with six horses when I could play a $3 pick four. And especially if the horses I got in the first leg, you know, really were three or four pay. of them. Right. Yeah, it's like three or four of them are going to put me a step backwards, even if I catch. Right. So, I might so like you might that. go with the right the one what? price horse in that you first leg. You yeah. got it. Exactly. Yeah. Take a small bet. If I lose, okay, now the pick four is still playable and there's still money to be made. Um. Okay, great. We've talked about fixed odds at, one time that was a big part of your game um and a big part of your success um yeah, but it sounds... I'll, I'll tell you another thing on fixed odds right so I'll, I'll give you the the guy who told me about it he goes he heard about fixed odds and blah blah blah, blah and we're looking into so he started playing first so what he did was he made a big bet on a two-horse parlay and one of them won one of them ran nowhere but he got value on both of them. So, you know, if he was getting six to one on both of them, they both went off lower than six to one. And they cut him off. He lost money and they cut him off. And, I, you know, I started to think about that. I go, yeah, well, I said, why did you go through the throw right away? So when I opened up with uh, Bet365, they had a thing. I think it was, uh, I think it was like yeah, you deposit 200 and they matched it, right? So I went through my 200 playing, uh, I call them cartoon sports. Virtual motocross racing, virtual horse racing, virtual tennis, you know, two cartoon characters playing tennis or motor, you know, all these stupid games, right? And I'd play and I'd play those at $5, $10. It'd be a, a tennis, you know, tennis would last, 12 minutes or eight minutes and I bet 20, I bet on all these stupid things and you hit some, you win some, you know, I'm sure they, you know, they, they had the takeout. It was like betting anything. Oh, I hit some, I win some and slowly they grinded me to zero and then they gave me the 200 and I did the same thing. And when I lost the 200, I knew what was going to happen. I waited a week. So they sent me a $20 bonus. That $20 bonus. I remember it was the first horse bet I made. And I remember it was Saratoga. David Jacobson had a horse. 
off a layoff, going from non-winners of two to like 20 claiming off a layoff. And he was two to one in the program and sitting at seven minutes to post, he's seven to one on the board. And he's like two to one or five to two at bet three, six, five. So I keyed around him. I did some parlays off him. So I took the absolute worst of it and played like that and played like that and played like that. And I don't know if I was doing the right thing or not, but I'm pretty sure I did. Cause now I think I went off the radar. I, I got classified into the the fish category. <laughs> I was going to say the, the jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Official so, jump. so one day, uh, you know, <laughs> thank God for degenerate friends. The guy phones me and says, who's the speed in race six at Finger Lakes? And I told him, I go, please do me a favor. Kill yourself. Leave me alone. Calling me Tuesday for Finger Lakes. And he said, no, no, go, please do me a favor. So I look, I go, I don't know. There isn't no speed. He said, the three is lone speed. I go, I don't think so. He goes, it's the wrong form. DRF put the wrong PPs in, right? I go, you sure? <laughs> so now I look and I go watch the replays. And sure enough, this horse was right on the front, like every start. So I got this horse. I got like, I can't remember. I got real big value on this horse. And I hit him for 47000 I went a photo. I put a couple races together with him being the key. I hit for like 47,000, missed another one. Next day, you know, they let me bet 72 cents. <laughs> Which is it. always the lament about fixed odds. So you you tried to yeah. play it so that you could make a big score before no, they shoot you out. Uh, yeah, and and because my friend got shut down losing just for right. abusing their numbers, right? So that's what he got shut down for. They didn't. It's not winning or losing, but if you're getting ten to one on eight to five shots, right. you're gonna get shut down fast, even if they lose, right? Because you know. Right. And and then the guy I sat with every day, I said to him, I go, "You want to open up a bet three six five account?" He goes, "I've been playing with them for years." I go, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah." So that's where I hit that hundred dollar per. I made a deal with him that I'd give him twenty five percent of the profits when he got shut down. And so when I bet that hundred dollars for one hundred twenty seven thousand. First thing he called me and said, you know, there's a buyout of like 24,000. I go, I'll kill you if you don't, don't even go, come close to that computer. I go, I don't want no buyout. So <laughs> next day. You mean with me, like a leg remaining in the, in the sequence? Yeah, or, or six something? to one morning line firster that I heard on that, you know, paid $4, right? And anyway, I wasn't taking it even if he was, you know, whatever. I just don't, that's not me. I like to gamble. So anyways, the next day he goes, I hope you're not upset at me. I go, do you have my 120 something? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, okay, I'm not upset at you. I go, so what did you do? He goes, I bet it for $125. I go, why would it be upset? He goes, yeah, exactly. You don't have to give me 25%. I go, I love you, upset at you. <laughs> I go, I go, you're the perfect husband <laughs> or wife, <laughs> right? So, and, and then I did it again and again and again. And then one day Woodbine is off the board. So I don't know if that had anything to do with anything, but. Woodbine was off the board and I was really just hitting them at Woodbine. So I just, and I got to the point where I, I didn't really want to uh, go too far on trusting people. You know, I knew who I could trust and who I couldn't really. So you, I want to move on to a couple other questions. Um, you talked about you had to treat it like a business. That was one of the aha moments that you had early on when you were telling kind of your origin story. Um, 
what what does that mean? Like, what did you what do you do to treat it like a business that you weren't doing before? Well, just just as as you know, we we had a business really that wasn't run like a business. So doing those, you know, the communication and the collaboration and all that, but basically knowing that, uh, you know, couldn't take days off. I would take days off, you know, slack sometimes on the work, right? That, you know, come 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 Monday and Tuesday, I have to do my replays and all that. And just really, really focus on it, you know, uh, do a lot of things, you know, get rid of all the other, stop playing all the other tracks and stop doing all this and, you know, you know, approach the game sober and all that, you know, all, all the little things if you want to just you know, applying it to every little business, just doing things. Professionally, right. it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, professionally. Yeah. Taking things seriously, you know, because you play, you start playing horse. Horse is always a fun thing. Oh, you know, horse, horses is always, you know, a certain thing. You know, it's not, not too many people take it seriously. And I think even if you're a weekend warrior, you should go in there on, on Saturday and take things seriously. All right. No, that, that makes perfect sense. So how much time when you were at it full time, you used, did you spend in a week, you know, on the, on racing? I, I got to do things. I, I'm really, uh, I really got to be efficient and it's comes from systematic laziness and procrastination. So I'll, I'll give you one example. So I would, I would watch a, I would watch replays. And so race one at Woodbine, uh, the two horse I'd write down, uh, took a, took a bump out of the gate, rushed up, checked, uh, uh, got loose late, made a big run and, and make detailed notes. And then I got to the point where, what am I doing that for? Cause now three weeks later when that horse runs, I, I know my, I'm not just going to, I never just read the note and went with it. I watched the replays again. So my note would be in the note box on like HPI or I better would buy my note would, you used to be just like, I hit any key on the computer, put the star thing there. So all I knew is when that horse ran next time, there was something to watch. Cause no matter how detailed my note was, I had to watch it again pan shot head on and again you know what i mean so it's no use wasting time writing these notes if a horse so this this is what it would be i'd have a i'd have a piece of paper and a pen and write down woodbine and write down one for race one the gate and open two and three would bump i just write down two three uh you know the four did something write four and then just put a little there and woodbine there's a star you click to show you got a note in the note box. I would just click any any key just to register it, and that's it. So I had notes on two, three, and four. Next time when they ran, I'd you know I'd look at them closer. So that saved a lot, a lot of time. So any other big time savers that you developed over time? Yeah, when you look at a race and you you go, oh, yeah, the four, yeah, I think the no, maybe the seven, eight out races out by. <laughs> So if you if it's kind of confusing, yeah, to you that's a signal to just move on to the next race. Yeah, and then you know, like, and then if I get like, if uh, so, I, I do race. The first race of the pick four, I like something. The next race is a blank. 
the next race is a blank. I won't give up yet. I'll go to the the last race. If I say, okay, I got a four to one singled in the first leg. I got eight to one and 18 to one in the last leg. Let's do something here. You know, we can do something here. You know, if I've got strong opinions on those horses, I can still do something. I can still, let's say, play, uh, say the numbers are one in the first leg and two, three in the last leg. I can play one all, all two, three for 50 cents. Uh, one all four, five, six, seven with two, three, and just scale it right down, right? And scale it right down to the last ticket, which is going to be one with two, with two, three, with two, three. And now I look at, I lay, I write all these tickets down my little pyramid, and I'll look at them and and factor the odds in, and I'll say, nah, man, that's stupidity. After that, so. What I, what I start doing then is the top line, which has the most coverage, that one with all, with all, with two, three, I'll put a line through that bet. So now I got the bets that are one with all, with four horses, with two horses, and then I got one with four horses, with all, with two horses, and I got that. And then I'll do the presses under that, then I'll look at that, and I'll say, uh, no. So then I'll take those two lines out. So there's no more alls now. So it's one horse by four, by four, by two. And then the press is under that. And I'll say, yeah, you know what? If I hit this, it's going to come back good. And I can play it now because I got rid of those big tickets. Now, instead of playing the tickets for 50 cents, a dollar, a dollar, two dollars, two dollars, four dollars, four dollars. I can now play these tickets for four dollars, eight dollars, sixteen dollars. And okay, I can do that. Or I can just throw the whole thing in the garbage. Yeah, and that's a little hard to follow, but I did, we, we did talk about the pick five in a blog piece that I wrote with when I interviewed okay, you on so, that, Tommy. Uh, no, uh, and uh, that pyra that pyramid approach, so I just, I, I'll, I'll tweet out a link for anybody listening. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll just, I'll just explain it a bit clearer. So my original ticket is just say cold, all, all cold, right? Right. So you so, you've got two strong opinion in two races and three yeah. of them you're you're just kind of spreading right now. Yeah. Right. So okay. so I, I, I write that down. So now what I'm gonna do is weigh those two alls, right? And so now the next ticket is gonna be cold, say four horses in each leg, right? And the way I'll write them down is cold four horses all cold cold all four horses cold and keep breaking it down and if it doesn't make sense the top tickets which is the the most expensive tickets i get rid of those because every time i get rid of those now i can play the press tickets a lot more and at some point if i edit 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 it might get down to the last ticket where it's i went from cold all all cold to cold by two by two by cold right so there's a Four combinations. The press is cold, two horses, cold, 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 two horses, cold, and cold, cold, cold. Right. So by the time you get to the end, you're kind of singling yeah, it, across it, and, and, can, and you're spreading I, I out can, on each layer of the pyramid. You're spreading a little bit more in the spread legs. Yeah. And if if I can't, I, I never get rid of the 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 thinnest tickets i get rid of the fattest tickets first right you prune the base off before you prune the the tip right you're gonna leave that yeah. tip no matter what yeah. i chop i chop the tree and and just keep the fruit 
<laughs> I like that. Um, all right, but you did never answer the question about how much time you spend about or were spending when you were at it full time. Okay, I mean, so how, how many uh, hours a week are we talking about, or hours a day? However, you want to break it down. Okay, so uh, the night before uh, for one track, depending on how many replays, from fifteen to forty minutes just watching replays. Sometimes there's only a couple replays. Because I already got the replay work done, so it's just the noted ones that I got to look back on, right? And, and then that—that's about it, you know. If I get, you know, if there's any kind of reports or something that I got to add on, right, or biases or whatever else, that's just data entry. So the night before, it's never over an hour, and I'll go to the track, and I basically get to the track. I'm ready to go, and I fly through ten races basically, and in twenty to thirty minutes, and write basically if it's ten races, I write my pick ten out, and then I kind of then break down which I can put it this way: when I'm playing the the Breeders' Cup contest, you give me Friday, Saturdays, I'll sit down for twenty minutes. I already know what race I'm going into that's what it takes me and it's just how I play it. And that is the time consuming thing. I handicap, I handicap lickety split. So an hour the night before an hour and 20 minutes the day of, and then, uh, you know, off when I'm not working, let's just say the, the replay work, how long it takes to watch 40 or 50 races. You know, that's what can that be? Two, three hours, four hours at the most. I don't know. So it sounds like uh, maybe three to four hours a day. Is that fair? Yeah, at the most, man. I'm, I don't, if I had to work more than 20 hours, I'd find something else. I don't want to work. <laughs> I'm doing this not to work, right? It's, it's just, you know what it is? I'll tell you, I'll tell you something too. This is uh, uh, something I, I really left out that's important. So I always thought, I used to think I kind of had ESP and it was a uh, Woodbine. I remember it was a Woodbine mile pre just pre COVID. And I did a seminar with Patrick Cummings and Peter Fornatel. I'm not sure if there was anyone else there. And we went through the card that day. And when we got to the Woodbine mile race, I, I knew Patrick did his homework on the shippers from Europe. And I really didn't have an opinion. I basically said, the only thing I can come up with, I pitch one, two, and four, like out of a 11 horse race. So there's a handicapping contest that day. I walk up, I'm in a conversation at a table, joking around. And as they're loading, I get up and I walk and I bet the one horse, a horse that I said I didn't like. And I end up coming second in that contest, betting that horse. I just got nosed out. And I'm just, I sit down and the horse wins. And, and I said to, and I, I can't remember if it was Peter or Pat was at the table. I go, I just bet the one. And they're going, didn't you say you didn't like that horse? I go, I don't know what the frig happened. I just got up and bet him. It, it just, I had to, I had to go. And then when I thought about it, I know I, I mentioned also the Silva had big day, you know, 
had big days on those days when when all the other you know foreign jockey i don't know i don't know i really still don't know how so i'm in florida like two a year or two years later and a friend of mine said i want you to introduce you to someone so we went and had dinner at his friend's house and this guy was like one of the big big hedge fund investor in canada and we just started talking and the and I told him about this. He goes, "Now you don't got ESP. Explain to me how the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain works and how, I don't, I can't remember exactly. He goes like, it's the right side of the brain is like when you're watching replays and doing the form and all that, the right side of the brain. It's the other doing, side. It's the other way, actually. The left. Yes. Yeah, okay. The yeah. The other. Yeah. And then he said, and he said, uh, he goes, what, what happens is you let your other side of the brain that's basically on automatic pilot go. And that brain, you already did that work. You just weren't part of that part of the equation on race day. And, and, and that's what happened. And I started more thought about it and kind of read an article about it. Uh, Jonathan Stetton uh, passed the wire, had some guy that wrote an article, something similar. I'm going, yeah, that's it. And I'm going, you know what? I, you know, you call it gut feeling or whatever. I've always gone with it. And, and he explained it to me and it made a, makes a lot more sense than a gut feeling or ESP, right? You know, there's some kind of, and, and that's kind of thing. I just, I don't really second guess myself. I kind of look at it. Yeah. Kind of works for me and I just fire and I don't, I don't, I don't press on. I'm done. No fear. Just follow your instinct or your intuition. Yeah, it's not like, like, you know, when, when yeah. it makes, but when it makes more sense that it's actually your brain doing it for you, you know, kind of easier to go with it than, you know, gut feeling, you know what I'm saying? Right. But the, the, the research also says you, you're not, you're not born with that really. You develop that over time. So you've watched enough races, made enough bets, learned enough lessons so that your subconscious can process those things and then your gut or intuition follows that but it was it's learn it's it's not like it's something that you just born with you you develop that over time so that you can trust your your judgment your your, your intuition but you probably wouldn't have been uh it wouldn't have been nearly as reliable when you first started as it was you know now um if that yeah, makes any it, sense all, all it takes is you know other than the clarity of someone explaining it to me is having success with something, right? Yeah, you build confidence if you. Yeah, 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 and that, and I'll tell you another thing. You know, you just said that word, man. I didn't bring it up, but you know, I'll tell you a story. So when I when I was betting with my partner, and I noticed, like you know, a lot of the horses I'm coming up with, they're getting just getting smashed. Like I go, who's betting these horses? But you know. Yeah, and I and I would always tell him, "Go, are you telling anyone these these horses, right?" Meanwhile, we're, I'm on a six weeks losing streak. Goes anyone I told's already jumped off a bridge. He goes, "You haven't cashed a ticket in six months, and you think people are following you?" So it's always having that confidence that no matter how bad you're going, if you don't walk into that track thinking you're going to kill them, turn around. And I have that. I have that. And I convince myself it's all all part of my routine. I go into the track every day thinking I'm going to kill them. And, you know, I go through the way I play. I go, I probably go through more losing streaks than, you know, more, I wouldn't say losing streaks, but more days without cash and a ticket than the regular Joe. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, the aggressive way you play, if you didn't, you would be, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, uh, unrealistically successful. And you're, you're playing the long game, like you said. So, 
You're yeah, not you trying to cash to, tickets. Yeah, you got to. You just got. You got to stay. You know, it's either stay confident or 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 stop. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it's, and, it's like and that, life, that right. Anything in life, you you got to have confidence. You know. Well, and it's the long game. I mean, you said it a couple of times. Uh, you just can't uh, let yourself give in to that. You know, immediate uh, gratification. That long term is going to kill you. You've got to be able to forego that and recognize that to be successful, got to focus on the long term and and not just try to cash every ticket. Yeah, and, and it's that partner, that partner I had, right? No matter how bad we went, and he said, "Listen, he goes, I never seen anyone in my life that comes up smelling roses like you. Stop moaning, stop moaning." He goes, "Don't worry," and he, you know, and 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 I, I took a while to buy into it and. Whether it's true or not, you have to buy into it. And, and you know what? You have to buy into it if you're good. You know, you also have to treat yourself with a dose of reality. If you keep losing and keep losing, you know, I, I find a good friend in Miami with them. You know what that is? Uh, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's a, so so I, I know two guys who do it. So what they do is on, on, sat on Saturdays, they come to the track and they both got a good amount of money and they both really never went at the horses. So they'll take every track that moves and they'll write a horse down in every race and they'll book each other's two across or five across bets or, you know, I, I don't know how they did. They did two across and then one race, five across one race to, on every track that Saturday from noon till midnight and they book each other's bets. And it's called Miami, right? And, and that's all. The, and and all they did, they knew, they, they you know they were real good friends. And they knew one of them, no one was going to take that money except one of those two. And they had the greatest fun ever. And and they really, and, and my friend said he goes, he can beat me eight times in a row, and it's a lot better than losing it to the track. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't haven't heard that before, but it sort of makes sense. Um, all right, I want to move on to a couple topics we've touched on. I mean, I know that you've played foreign races before because you had a million dollar pick six at Hong Kong. Is that something you still do? Do you do you still play Hong Kong or any foreign tracks? And if so, you know what? How do yeah. you approach those differently? You know, how is it different than U.S. racing and how big of a part of your game is it? Well, uh, the only thing I really like playing at Hong Kong is the pick six. and the odd time to pick three, but basically what I'll do is I'll, you know, I click on my Hong Kong icon on the computer, go to the next card. If there's a carryover, I usually play it. There's a real good chance unless it was like a previous card was uh, all weather. I'm not a fan of all weather racing there just because there's not enough form. They almost never run on it. So if there's a carryover in the pick six, I'm definitely playing. If not, if there's no carryover and, I, and, I, and I've got time, I'll kind of take a look at it. But, you know, it takes me a couple of days to do the pick six. And it's, you know, I don't want to do it. And like, uh, there's no carryover for this weekend. And with, I know tomorrow I'm going to be at Gulfstream early with a bunch of friends in the dining room. It's going to be a long day. I'm not going to look at it. But if there was a carryover, I'd be looking at it from yesterday. And just see if I can, you know, put something together. It's real tough if it really looks tough. And 
I might not play it, you know, I most likely won't play it, but if I think I can, you know, have the, the horses there that could really do something, why not? You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I spent 800 to get it. I spent a lot more to play it. I spent less to play it, but you know, you're betting horses and you got a real fair chance to change your life. Really? So is it, do you approach it the same way you do a uh, race in the United States or what's no, you know, what? no, no, no. Cause, cause I'll tell you what, see the, the, the way it works in Hong Kong is the pick six is actually a, a place pick six. So there's like a 25% takeout and half the pool goes to the, it's called the pick six, which is a place pick six. As long as you run first or second in every race, you hit that. But if you get all six winners, that's where the other half of the pool clicks in. It's the bonus, they call it, right? So you can look at it both ways. It's, you know, but that's the way they word it, right? But it's a pick six, and the consolation is you have to come second in every race. So after the 25% takeout, half the pool is the pick six, and the other half is place pick six. So a lot of times, you know, you can, depending on it, you see that horse that, he might not be the right value, and he's like more like you know a horse that you know he's going to be right there, but not worth it at that price. I don't mind throwing those in if I already using four or five horses because that might click turn that place pick six into hitting it four times or eight times. So there there is some kind of different way of looking at it. Sometimes I you know sometimes I will play it the way I do with a bunch of you know presses presses presses. But I'd say I'd say sixty to seventy percent of the time I just play one Neanderthal ticket there. It's worth it. And and it pays out differently because like you said, you could cash even if you didn't have a single winner, I guess. You could That's cash. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've never played the Pixits in Hong Kong. But uh the, the racing product is good for sure. I mean in terms of quality of racing and um but did did you have to go through any kind of adjustment to learn those horses? Um, you know, do you go off of watching the races or off information? I'm just curious. Okay, so uh, when I started playing it, I reached out to Patrick Cummings, and I said, you know, I know I know he used to be he used to work there, and he plays it. And I said, when you have time, can you explain to me? what's important on the website and what isn't because there's just too much info there right so you know the gentleman that he is he's took his time and that's the, the whole thing is the first step to play hong kong you need somebody who's very patient and that's probably not i'm not the best teacher of that <laughs> but because because what i'll do is i'll tell you what i look at and pat told me what everyone looks at and that's kind of important uh the, the important thing, Pat, Pat emphasized that on certain tracks and courses, the inside position is really important. And weight is important. So, you know me, I want to play the 12 hole carrying 138 pounds, <laughs> right? You know, because uh, just so you get the value sometimes. The horses get, draw the rail on uh, at the... Uh... Shaw 10? No, I think it's Happy Valley. Okay. Yeah, on on the I call it Wednesday and Saturday. The Wednesday track, it's like the smaller <laughs> track, the tighter turns. Horses draw the rail and they get over bet. And sometimes it does a trick for them. And you know they have a rating system there. If you're low rated, you carry. You know the horse can carry 
they carry from 135 pounds to 112 pounds in the same race. And it's common, right? They're, you know, the one horse, the one horse is not post position one. It's the one horse carries the most weight than the two all the way down to the 12 and 14. So it's a lot more. So I kind of throw a lot of that out of the way. Cause I know if I got the 12 hole and I'm carrying a lot of weight, I'm going to probably be, you know, it's going to be a push with the odds. Right. So, but just learning all those things, learning, uh, how the people play and, you know, and, and all that. And plus learning the website, just, just too much on there. And, and, you know, without Pat, I don't hit the pick six. That's, that's God's honest truth. And I, I said it before about, you know, collaborating. I want, I try, I try, if I, if I think anyone has something to offer, I want to learn from them. You know, until, until I shoot 18 every time, I'm still going to take golfing lessons. In other words, um, that's, uh, something I, I would definitely second that, um, there's a lot you can learn from just about anyone. If you listen, sometimes yeah. it might be learning what not to do, but it's still learning. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's you took the words out of my mouth. It's, it's, everybody has something to offer that can make you better. Everyone. And when I hear someone say, Oh, that guy, uh, you know, uh, that, that guy that's uh, giving out the picks, I say, oh, is he ever bad, this and that. Nah, they, that doesn't go far with me. I usually just ram it down their throat. There's not, I don't, like, I'll, I'll talk from the tracks, you know, uh, Fairgrounds, Churchill, Santa Anita, well, maybe, I don't know much about Santa Anita. I haven't really watched them, but Gulfstream? Whoever has been at Gulfstream, whether, you know, Ron Nicoletti, Brian Nadeau, the girls on there, they do their friggin' homework, man. They do their homework. They really apply themselves to their trade. And if you think it's easy to pick 10 races, first, second, third, fourth, two days in advance, yeah, it's not easy. It's, you know, a thankless job, but they all do their work. And, and I sit there and I listen to all of them. I listen to Samantha, Angela. Acacia, when she was there, Rom, you never know what, where somebody can put you on the, you know, and you can go, ah, you know. All right, well, let's move on to a couple things that I want to touch on before we get into our example. Um, record keeping. It sounds like you take, take some notes on trips and things. Do you track your results on your wagering and use that at all to to adjust what your your play is i basically you come to know uh i shouldn't you know you come to know what you're good at and what you're not good at right and i try to you know like i know i'm not good at a mile and a half turf race but who, who is we all have the same issues by furlong turf races, but I try not to let it get in my head too much. So I kind of know those little things, but I, I kind of just probably don't pay. But as for uh, keeping records on how well I do, I use the Kelvinator method. Okay, enlighten me. Yeah, Kelvinator is a, an old fridge. I just look in the fridge, and that tells me how good I'm doing. I, I could care <laughs> less about the last thing I need to waste time, right? 
you know, especially living in Canada, not having to pay taxes on on gambling winnings. Don't rub it in. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But I'm just saying is, uh, like, why, why, what purpose is it for me to waste time to see, you know, I basically know uh, I'm horrible at Tampa and New York, so I don't play them. But how did that. you find out that you were horrible at Tampa? And, um, well, t t Tampa, I've just basically never even cashed the ticket. So I give, I, I don't, I'm not too stubborn. I learn quick. I used to bet New York basically betting on crooked trainers who like to light up the board. And there was no doubt in my mind they were doing it. And right now in New York, I, just a, a lot of stuff smells there. So I just avoid it like the plague. So, I Mr. Belmont, Mr. Belmont's not uh, playing Belmont anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to mention names because some of them are still training. But they're, they're, I used to, I, I used to get the in the middle Wednesdays. Wednesdays in Toronto, the middle of the racing form would have all the charts from all over North America, and I'd pull out the Belmont or Aqueduct charts, and I just keep a list of all the all the trainers that. Came first or second? Uh, I think I had it at eighteen to one or higher. So anytime a trainer came first or second at eighteen to one or higher, I used to keep a little book with their names and see and and pretty soon, you know, you get a list of three or four guys. And when with the guy that you know, when there's top trainers and this. 4% trainer is at the top of the list of 20 to one shots. You kind of, kind of easy to focus on that guy. You know what I'm saying? So is there any of them? So you don't give away any secrets you can still cash in on. Is there any of trainer that was on your list that no longer trains? So just curious if you have any examples. I'm going to check if he's alive. Put it this way. Uh, one of the stables name was Karakorum. Okay. Caracorum Racing. All right. All another right. one. A, another one. The owner. The owner was Ernie Paragello. All right. I don't want to push you on. I just was. Yeah, curious. I'm giving you because I don't. I don't okay. know. I really. Right. I know one of them. He's still around, so I'm not going to say nothing. And the other one, probably my favorite trainer of all time, and I would never say his name because. I just wouldn't, and you know, I think a couple of his family members know me, and I'm friendly with them, so I've never said it to them, and I won't say it to anyone else. All right, well, let's move on because a couple more things. The uh, it doesn't sound like you do, you do this, but you know, there's a lot of these big days now where not just the Breeders' Cup and the Derby, but almost you know, like this weekend for at Gulfstream is going to be a big day of racing at Florida. You know, they stack the cards. Do you target those? Do you um, just ignore them if it's not a track you normally play? Do you approach it any differently? I'm just curious what you do with those because now they're pretty prevalent. Well, I look, like I looked at tomorrow's. Well, I'm, I'm not playing Oakland, that's for sure. I just don't play it. Uh, just, it's just I don't do well at You know, I don't do well at and I don't push. So, um. I looked at Gulfstream, and I already know at Gulfstream, I won't be able to 
string any uh, pick fours or fives together. Maybe the, the late one, maybe. I'm not sure, but I, I took a rough look at it. And I have no real strong, strong opinions. Well, you know, so I might just make a list of four or five horses and just start doing $50 parlays. But most of my time at Gulfstream tomorrow, I'll be uh, looking at Santa Anita, <laughs> getting ready so, for them to start. So it, it, the, you're not really tempted unless it's like next weekend where Santa Anita has its big card. Um, even it, even that, even that, it, it makes, I, I don't mind, I don't mind playing, uh, you know, I'd rather play uh, Wednesdays, 5,000 Louisiana breads than the, the Louisiana Derby. Got it. And, and you know what? And if I really wanted to, you know, if I really, if the stumbling block was the big pools, right? I got Hong Kong to play big pools twice a week. And if I really, I'm not going to go down that path, but if I wanted to go back to the offshore world, I don't need big pools to make scores. So that, it really doesn't pool, influence that your big play. Pool, yeah, that big pool thing. Oh, there's a big pool, big, big, big schmeels. And I, I think, I don't know, I can't remember if you talked about it. Like I, I said to everyone, like when, when that, when I wasn't informed when, the, when this jackpot pick six first came out, I could care less if it was a mandatory. If it was a Thursday with a hundred thousand in there, and I love the sequence, and I could play a, a four dollar one, and, and you know, get some value where everybody's spreading for twenty cents, I'll play it on the day I got a strong opinion. You can have a ten billion dollar carryover. Now I won't play it now uh, because of principle. Anyone, let, let me make this point: anyone who plays a jackpot pick six mandatory right deserves deserves the worst luck for the rest of their life because you are the problem not you person but i'm just saying whoever plays these mandatories are the problem as long as people play the mandatories they're going to keep them there and executives say look everyone plays them everyone plays them this chance of a jackpot you know chance of a life changing score that we pay out before anyone can have a life changing score like people line up for this con and don't see that they're the reason. Well, I'm not gonna, I'm, there's value. There's EV on those days. I'm going to get the EV. This stupid bananas. I go, if you stop playing this bet, then you really get good bets. They'll change, right? But as long as everyone lines up on these days, oh, I, I love I love it when it comes back short or when I hear stories of guys, you know, got beat on the last leg. I love it. They deserve all the punishment. <laughs> The, the horse gods have for them. <laughs> All right. Well, you answered a question I don't have to ask now. I was going to ask you about the carryovers, and you've answered that. Um, so, uh, do you do it, you know any seriously? Um, not casually. Is there any other form of gambling like poker or sports wagering or whatever that you um, bet besides horse racing or? Are you pretty much from a serious gambling standpoint, just horse racing? Yeah, it's really just horse racing. I know uh, when the when the NFL is is on, uh, there'll be uh, uh, I'll give you a, what's the name of the guy in Cincinnati? Good quarter, Joe Burrows, right? Right. Okay, so say Joe Burrows is not playing, and. Cincinnati was playing in Kansas City, and Kansas City now the line goes from three and a half to nine. 
I'm betting on Cincinnati. Whenever there's a huge line move, I bet the other way. Interesting. And, and, so do you make serious bets? Or are we talking? Yeah, or is this yeah, just yeah, action yeah. Bet? I hit once. I'll tell you uh, where I made a score was, it was, I think it was Thursday night opening week and Arizona's at home to New England. Tom Brady's out. Arizona's a real good team and Tom Brady's out and Garofalo's making his first career start. And that line went to nine or nine and a half. And I grabbed about 50,000 uh, keen New England on the money line. So I got so parlays that, going. That's I got parlays pretty serious. Off of that. That's pretty serious. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't bet much money. I, I, like instead of betting them, instead of just betting them and getting, you know, that game in the money line, I, I parlayed them. I, I risked like like I normally do. So instead of getting the four to one or whatever it was on, on five hundred, I did parlays and and I got lucky. I hit I hit one parlay, missed another one for another like twenty five thousand. But and and I take those serious shots to kill them. And, and I really believe in in sports betting if not only if if all that money is going on one side it just too much money goes in so you're getting more points you know the the people betting against are getting given up more points than they should so now that line that was four that should be seven is nine well i'll take the nine and not only that right the math of it i'm pretty sure if sports are fixed they're fixed in favor of the house and not the player. <laughs> so um, gambling on sports, has that made you think differently about how you gamble on racing? Or is it pretty much the same? I mean, have you learned no, anything? I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I'm convinced there's corruption. That's the way I just brought up in a corrupt neighborhood, right? I was corrupted young and I think corruption. So that's kind of other than having the line move to your favor. I think the pickle is in, you can go on Netflix. I'll show you 12 different things where uh, basketball fix, cricket fix, this soccer fixed, all fixed. You know, there's only, there's only millions and millions of dollars involved who would ever do anything nefarious. Right. So that's the way I think. So. But you still bet it. If you think the line moved in a way, oh yeah, that, no, that I'm, gives going, you an I'm edge. going, I'm going, I'm going right back from being 18, 19 years old. There used to be a guy in a pool hall down the road from my pool hall I hung out at, and he would, uh, he had all the 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 parlay cards, and he would take head to head bets. And I, and back then there was only the only night game was I think it was a Monday night game, so I would walk in. And stand in the door, he'd see me, and he'd either tell me to leave or sit down. If he left, that meant the game was 50-50, the action. If it was to one side, he knew what I wanted, right? And so he'd come over to me. The game would already be kicked off, right? And he'd come over to me and say, how much money do you have? And I'd say, I have 400 he goes, you got all 400 on the dog, or he'll say, you got 200 on the dog. He knew what I wanted. If all the money was on one side, I wanted to bet all my money with him. If, you know, a good amount of money was on one side, I only wanted to bet that much. And I, I was convinced those Monday night games were fixed, and I will be convinced of them, to the, not all of them, but that's the way I think. And 
I put up my money and I, I do pretty good on, on, on those games. That's interesting. <laughs> like you said, there's not a lot to translate there, but I, I understand the sentiment. So kind of get close to wrapping up here. Um, what do you think you've kind of already answered this, but I'll give you a chance to, to answer it again. What's the biggest mistake that you think most players make that if they could improve on that, uh, it would improve their results? I think, I think playing, well, okay. So just what kind of, you're talking about a serious player. Yeah. I mean, uh, either yeah. one, you know, whatever. Yeah. A serious player, uh, playing, playing too many tracks where you can't do the work yourself. Right. Cause I know, I know if I'm playing one track and, um, uh, you're playing five tracks. If you're playing five tracks seriously, you're probably using some sort of sheets, right? You know, speed figures. And if I try to play five tracks, watching replays against you who's using, just say, ragas and sheets, you're going to slaughter me. But if I'm playing one track and you're playing five, I'll, I'll kill any sheet player without using the sheets because... I can take the buyer, I can take uh, whatever you call those two numbers, you know, like 87 17, right? Right. That, the, yeah, the forever. Track, I can take yeah. those numbers and, and I can put my work into it and I'll beat a, sh you know, a guy who's just a die in the wool sheet player. I'll destroy him. That, he's got no, no chance against me. But you get contest players that are playing seven tracks and uh, trainers you know, that don't have the time to do it. And you got horse players, you got services that are covering five, six tracks. I understand them having, you know, it, it makes a lot, a lot of sense, but playing, I, I would say play one track, do the work at the one track and don't, you know, try to remove fun from the game. The, so the, the, be a the, professional the, and focus on, yeah, on where fun, your strength the, you know, is. You know where you have fun? Go home, throw that money on your bed and roll in it naked, and there's nothing <laughs> more fun than that. And, uh, that, if, and if it's you, cold, you, you just you left me something. Get, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody to keep you warm, too, <laughs> with that, some of that money. Yeah, for a minute there, I had a vision. I was having a hard time getting out of my head there. There you go. I don't do that. <laughs> I, wear, I wear scuba gear. <laughs> um, okay, so one last question. This is your chance to get on your soapbox. And again, I think you might have already answered this one. But, you know, what's the one change, like if you were the czar of racing, that you could change that you think would have the biggest impact? Yeah, I would. I would definitely... And it's not just one thing. It has to be a couple things aligned with each other. I would definitely get rid of rebates and lower the takeout to, you know, match that. Uh, I like what Hong Kong does. Hong Kong, if you're on track, and I think if you bet winner place, you get you bring your hundred dollar losing ticket back. They give you ten dollars, ten percent back. They might do it, I think, on Quinellas and Omnis too. I'm not sure. But I really think it's insanity that that customer that lives in your backyard, that comes to your track every day, spends money other than gambling at your track, 
gets the short end of the stick compared to the guy that's in a different state, country, or continent. I don't care how much money he's betting. I get that part of it. You know, uh, capital. I'm fine with capitalism, but those advantages at the track, you can't, you cannot, you know, put put on an ad in in the racing forum because because you know we, we live in we live in a small bubble where people are kind of informed and even most of them don't really care, but put an ad in the program every day. Put a thing say, by the way. Right. Although you only get a 1% rebate, people who are betting through North Dakota or whatever are getting a 14% rebate. We thought it's our duty to let you know. Do that. Put that in the program every day. See if that flies. People don't understand what's being done to them. So I didn't really ask you, do you get rebates? I was, when you look, when I was betting with a partner, basically, we were getting a 5% rebate and I was given, you know, really given making a living, giving him half. And it's not like we could bet double. Cause we had like a hundred dollar limit on this 500 limit on that. We could only win 50,000. I, I really, I really, and I'll tell you another thing in this day and age, if you're a sharp player, I'd be scared to play through someplace where they can monitor your wagering. I don't know for a fact, but I have a feeling these. You think that they might be piggybacking on your front row, your bets and stuff? Well, what I heard is someone told me, and they said they might not be able to say, look at Chris and Tommy's bets, but they can look at a good cross section of a bunch of winning players or close to winning players. And, you know, it's put it this way if I was playing, you know, I play, I play, I play, I go to Gulfstream every day. I like, I'm going to play Santa Anita every day. But if I was to play the way I was playing before, I definitely wouldn't play paramutually. They don't, they don't deserve, they don't deserve my money. They don't deserve, they do nothing for me. Right. I don't care. Even if I was getting a rebate, they do nothing for me. They, they let people have advantages over me so why shouldn't i play somewhere where i can have the advantages over them you know i'm a horse owner i understand i understand you know how you know not betting through the tracks uh affects purses of that but you know these racetracks don't seem to care about their horsemen they basically stole their their best customers where they were chopping their 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 betting dollar and now you know you go from uh from uh 50 50 now you're going to 90 10 you know the horsemen are getting shafted the horse the horse players are getting shafted and and, and you know the bets that the horsemen are making no money off are the guys who are getting all the advantages it's just, it's just insanity so so why should i care why should i be the fair guy i'm telling you if i was betting big money again in a heartbeat i could care less if I went to jail, got in trouble, I, I wouldn't mind going. You know, if I was playing seriously right now, I wouldn't I'd go in front of the judge. Say, well, you think you think I'm doing something wrong? <laughs> Take a look at what these guys are doing, right? I think a judge, a judge, and you know, an open-minded judge would say, "You're right. I got the wrong guy in here." <laughs> um, okay, that's a good note. To end the questions on any before we get to our example, we're going to walk through, which I think is going to be fun. Anything else you want to add that I haven't covered that you want to touch on? 
Yeah, just don't 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 have this uh the horse don't have a a zero end game mentality that you know you know you're gonna go broke. Think you can win, play to win. Even you know, a lot of people they they just so sure they can't win. And, and maybe they can't, but it's, it's the wrong think you can win. Think get get better, get serious. I don't care if you're playing forty dollars one day a week. You know. Just a, it doesn't take much in this game to apply yourself. I'm I'm the laziest turd on, on the planet. Uh, you know, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I, I'm not I'm not you know I'm not a stupid guy, but I'm I'm no genius. Just you know, I, I applied myself, and you know, and I really really wanted to win, and and you know, a lot of it is passion too. But just think you can win. Believe you can win. Try to win. Like you you have to or don't play. You know, don't play. Do like I yeah. said. Do there should be you know do a fantasy, not not horse tourneys or that stuff. No offense, but just a, there should be a fantasy thing. You know what I mean? Like so just open it up on the computer. Everyone pick horses, points at the end. At the end of uh, the year, you know we all give you a standing ovation. You're gonna have fun. Yeah, <laughs> you won't lose no money. You won't win no money. Probably better off. Well, I I kind of agree with you that um you know there's all this negativity. And there's these young players really think they, it's impossible to make money. And so just get convincing them and kind of um, giving them the confidence that, hey, if you apply yourself and, you know, you learn how to zig when others zag, it, it may be harder to make money now and be successful, but it's not impossible. Um, and anytime you hear people telling you something's impossible, for me, that's just that's the sound of opportunity. Well, it, it is the outer, the outer society gets it. Don't let them get, you know, we're letting the outer groups get into our game. You know, not only PETA, just people in general, you know, you, you gamble. I had one guy, I had one guy who was sitting beside this old guy at the track, you know, for a winter ages ago. And, you know, he goes, I really like you. You're a nice boy. You're a nice boy. Right. What do you do for a living? I gamble. He goes, Oh, he goes, you'll never find a wife. I go, good. <laughs> like that mentality. When I won the when I won the BCBC, so that I was like on page three of the Toronto paper, right? My picture and a big write-up, right? And so my barber, this you know, old timer, I think he, he's retired, you know, he used to always say, Remember, come to come to Ed. Give me give me your money, I'll give you half back instead of going to the track, right? <laughs> so I come in, I come in, and the guy goes, Guy sitting, we're sitting to waiting. The guy goes, "Is that you?" The guy's reading the paper, right? And he goes, "Yeah." And and Ed goes to the guy, "You know him? He's a horse player." He goes, "Yeah, he's in the newspaper here." Ed, look. He starts laughing. He goes, "Yeah, I got one at home that says I jumped in a barrel over Niagara Falls." He didn't believe it. <laughs> and the guy goes, "Ed, it's your paper." He goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "This is your paper. I didn't bring this paper. He didn't bring. This is your paper, right? That, that you brought." Ah, get out of here. Get out of. Here. He wouldn't believe it. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the example. And and um, this was Tommy's idea. Um, he did. He wanted for me to give him uh, some notes, some opinions on the late pick four at Gulfstream Park, and he's going going to build a pick four um, ticket or a set of tickets. You based on my opinion, he's going to quiz me on you know how i feel about the races and he's going to build a ticket kind of using some of the ideas that we've talked about earlier so i'm going to turn it over to tommy and he's going to take over and 
and ask me some questions and we're going to build a, a, a ticket hopefully that has a chance um, to make a nice score if we get lucky tomorrow. Okay, just let me just pull everything up here. Be lickety split. Okay, so this is starting in race 11 tomorrow. And I, I told Chris to just to give me his first run Neanderthal kind of who had a shot in hell ticket. So it's not the way he's going to play, but that's this is the way I start. So he started in race 11 with one, two, three, five, nine. And then in race 12, he had two, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it's five by six. Race 13, one, two, three, five, six, seven, 12. And then in the last leg, the Florida Derby, he had 10 and 11. So this is the way I kind of do it. Uh, so. And so just to clarify, those are the horses I didn't say are complete tosses. They have some chance of winning. They're not necessarily horses I'd seriously consider putting in the pick four myself, but that that's kind of what you started with. Just any of the horses I thought had any chance at all, right? Yeah, that's the way I started. That's the way I that's why I asked Chris to do it that way, not to to fine tune it himself, just any horse that possibly had a shot in here. So, we're going to start in uh race 11 and uh so I'm just looking on here. Who would you say in here are your most likely winners? Um, the one and then the two, um, not too far behind. I think those two are kind of above the other ones I mentioned in that, in that race. Okay. So the way I do it, I see the one is seven to two morning line. So we'll just take it that they're going to be the odds. That would be my top one would be yeah. the one. Yeah. So he's seven to two. The two is three to one. The other horses are five to one, seven to two, and six to one. And to me, if your top horse is seven to two, I definitely don't want to take anything else the same price or lower and using all of them. So the way I would look at it right for now, I would kind of... I, I think because it's, you know, the first leg and and I'll, I'll look at this as my the logic I have for pick five, pick four, because uh, the last three races, the, the last three races and the last two races at Gulfstream, like on a Wednesday are really big pools compared to the other pick threes and doubles. So rather than play two horses or even five, the way I do things, number one, Mrs. Actor would be a key for me in there. If love appeals was five or six to one, maybe use it as a saver, but same odds or less out. And I think on your opinion, that's what I would do in there. And now we'll move on. So right now we're just seeing the, by one, the way, right? yeah, by the way, by the way, that, that, that first ticket for 50 cents, the one with all the horses, was basically a two hundred and ten dollar ticket. So just just a that was just a straight case. caveman using any horse I thought had a chance was two hundred and ten dollars at it was at fifty cent. Is that what that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, you know the way I look at it, your your best your best play is is uh, seven to two, and the other four lumped in at you know three to one, seven to two, five to one, and six to one. There's nothing there worth spreading. Taking your your second horse at the same odds or lower odds, you know, maybe might come back to it, but I think for now that's the way I play. I'm going to single the one. Rather than use the two, you know, get knocked out, maybe jump back in on the pick three if that's worth it. And, and usually, like, if uh, when, when I just say I do play the one and I get knocked out, I'm almost never come back with the same amount of spreads on the pick three. I, I'll even hone it down even more. So just to keep that in mind. Okay, so now we'll go to race number 12 where you had two four five six seven eight and what are your stronger opinions in there oh definitely the two is my strongest opinion and i think it's as likely to win as any and it's a good price so the two would be strong and then from I, i like the four more from a price standpoint but i think it's solid contender and then probably the horse i'm most worried about um, would be the five miracle. Okay, so your strongest opinion is six to one. Your second opinion is ten to one, and then the other four horses are five to two, seven to two, nine to two, four to one. Those tickets could never make. Those last four can never make. Almost never make it on my ticket unless I got something really, really offside in the other legs. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be good with that as long as we include the four. Um, yeah, so the, the way, way, the like way I'll, I'll, you know, if we're going to use A, B, so the, the two is your A, the four is your B, or the two is your main selection, the four is your backup. Sounds good. Okay, now we go, just give me a sec, click on to. Race number 13. Where you had one, two, three, five, six, seven, twelve, and how did you? How do you separate these horses? Uh, two here? and three, two and three, I like quite a bit, um, and they're both big prices. And then the one and the twelve, uh, also I like kind of in the second tier a little bit less, but they're both good prices. And then I would toss the five and the six. I could leave them off for sure. And the, the seven's the only one of those that I'm a little concerned about, but I think it's an underlay. So, I mean, I really like two and three, and I and I also like the one and the 12 in here, probably. Yeah, so so the four horses you have are eight to one, 20 to one, 10 to one, and 15 to one. And I don't mind a four-horse spread like that. The other ones at those low prices, I don't think they belong equally with these horses so i'm with you i would leave them off the ticket so race 13 i would pencil in one two three 12 and you said two and three are your best bets yeah yeah and even though like the one is the one is eight to one and he's lower odds than the two or the three it's it's good enough for me. That's that's the type of price on a four horse spread that you know at least you get him. You're moving ahead and not laterally or backwards. Yeah, and I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into the morning line. There's a good chance the one might be a bigger price than the two or the yeah, three. Yeah, 
No, I know. I'm not. But I'm, yeah. I'm, we're just going to, for argument's sake, we'll just okay. we'll just say these are the morning lines are are the, the closing prices. I don't want to get into that, trying to figure out, you know, go on Ozchecker and try to figure out what the exact prices are going to be. That's just defeats right. the purpose. Okay, so now we're going to the last leg. And this is where you had it kind of thin. You had uh, the 10 and the 11, Fort Bragg and Forte. Yeah, I think Forte is much more likely to win. It'll just be a lot lower price. I think Fort Bragg's the only one that might have an outside shot of beating him. Uh, I, I don't really give any of the others much of a chance. Okay, so just give me one second. Are you okay, typing so, something into a spreadsheet or something? No, right now? no, no. I'm just writing. I'm quick. I just wrote. Okay. I've been writing as along, and I just put it across. I, I just, I just wrote some. I was writing as we were going. I just, just putting amounts here. So, so the first run I would write down. Forget about that two hundred and ten dollar Neanderthal ticket. So, okay. I would start. The first bet would be a two dollar ticket. One with two four. With one, two, three, twelve, with ten, eleven. All right. So that then, would be eight. That would be sixteen dollars. Wait, no, two, four, twelve, twenty-four dollars. Or actually, you know what? No, make that. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Wait, no, two times two. Okay, so you got you got one by two by four by two. Okay, so that's yeah, it'd be thirty-two dollars for a two dollar. Okay, so make it two dollars and fifty cents, so it's forty dollars. All right. The next ticket for five dollars would be the exact same ticket, except in the second leg we're pressing the two, so it's one with two, with one, two, three, twelve, with ten, eleven. Okay, and so that one is sixteen times five. That would be eighty dollars. No, one with two. All right. With one, two, three, twelve, with ten, eleven. So it's five times eight. Okay, okay, okay. So we only got one in there. Okay, right. So we've got eight for another forty dollars. Yeah. All right. Got it. Okay. Then the next ticket for five dollars would be one with two, four with one, two, three, twelve with the eleven. All right. And so that's basically the same price. Another forty dollar ticket. And then the last ticket is a ten dollar one with the two presses. So it's one with two with one, two, three, twelve with eleven. All right. And so that one is another forty dollars. So what you did, I'm just gonna summarize it. In at the first line, you had all my the all the contenders identified, not the caveman contenders, but the the, the discussion we went through on each of the four races, we included them all for two fifty, and that was a forty dollar ticket. Then you pressed one of the races where I had two horses I liked, and that was another forty dollar ticket. And then you pressed another the other race where there were two horses I liked um, for forty, and then you double pressed where you pressed them both together for forty. 
Okay, so that ticket, those tickets are $160, right? But right. now, now the way I would look at it, right? Yeah, how much more do you really like Fort Bragg over Forte? No, I like Forte over Fort Bragg, right? I mean, but I'd say how much? I would say Fort has probably, you know, 65, 70% chance of winning, and Fort Bragg's more like 15 or 20%. So, you know, maybe three times as likely to win. Yeah, so that that's kind of pretty close. So, you know, that those tickets, the only, you know, if you wanted to really get fancy is where you have the four horses, you could play those two you like a bit more, right? You could scale those down. But another way, w the way I play, and I'd be more tempted to do it, but that's uh, just say... Just say my opinion was I really like Forte a lot and Fort Bragg's really the only other horse that has a shot. But do I really want to take five to one on him beating not only all the other horses beating Forte? Just say, I'm just saying in my mind. So instead of playing that The way I play, I'd be more tempted just to go $10, one with two, four, with one, two, three, 12, with Forte cold, and then $20, one with two, with one, two, three, 12, with Forte cold, and that's $160. It just. So you're saying just take 10 out, right? No, I'm just saying if, if, if you, but if, you know, with the math you gave me of 70% and 15%, or, or or more like sixty, yeah. I or seventy. It kind of makes 60, sense that you want to keep yeah. Ford Bragg in, you know, and, and you know you can mess around with those, you know. You're. But you're you saying hit, you use a little more, probably more than what we did originally, maybe more on Forte and less on Fort Bragg. Or like I'm saying, right, the, the that first line of tickets for 160 dollars, you could possibly hit it for seven dollars with Ford Bragg. Or twenty two dollars so with, with Forte. Say, yeah. Right? But but the right. way I play, right? The way I right. play. I I might say, you know what? I really like Ford Bragg and it's not like I'm taking a twelve to one or something. So it's either up it's up to your individual player. I might play ten dollar ones and twenty dollar ones. And just it, play either Fort Bragg or Forte, not both. Yeah, or or depending or, on which one, which yeah, way you're just, leaning. Yeah, your your math makes it pretty even, right? Where you can play both, kind of the the way we did it. The first ticket probably bang on hits it mathematically, I think. But I'm I'm more of a greedy pig. So what I'll do is I'll tweet out this ticket that you ran through. I'll go with the first one you went. Um, so if people yeah, you want, know what, on your opinion, on your opinion, I think that one with both horses is the right one. Because that, that's potentially right. with, um, I mean, you can. You yeah, know, no, 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 no. Four, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. On your opinion, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying that's what we got to right. leave that one. I'm saying the way I play, I, I'm more of a greedy pig and I, I don't know, right. like, and, and, I, mean, and I, I have, I have a, I have a, like. I'm not a fan of Forte, but, you know, with all the speed in this race, it's kind of like, 
Jeez, man, he has no excuse. Post-position well, isn't an excuse. And lack of competition. But, I mean, looking at the ticket, I mean, three-quarters of it is Fort, and only one-quarter is Fort Bragg. So yeah, yeah, no, I said the way, the way you like right. it. Yeah, yeah, the way you like it, it's perfect. But I'm just yeah. saying is another option if it's somebody else me or someone you know you just you, it's something to think about right yeah if you if you were maybe a little more uh opinion was fort is a little less is more vulnerable and fort bragg's a little better then maybe you just just go with fort bragg and go for the big score right yeah but then again you know with, with the numbers you have in that four horse i got race, some big prices yeah 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 so, yeah, yeah you know you probably get dizzy right and, and actually Going from a $22 pick four to a $30 pick four is probably not too smart anyway. I'm just saying is if if you wanted to play it, you know, the way is the the option, the, the point I'm trying to make, the option is not to add horses. It's, if anything, cut down and play it for more. Right. The only thing, and this, the only thing that makes me a little uncomfortable is leaving the two out of that first leg. Completely, because I, you know, I like the one a little better, but not a whole lot better. Um, and they're about the same price, you know. And uh, so that was the only thing, you know. When looking at this, that's definitely the weak. That's the hurdle, you know. That's the weak link. If we get past that, but like you said, if we're gonna play it, I could always play the pick three, right? Come back and play that. Um, if I get knocked out by the two in the first leg, that's yeah, kind of what you know, you're, you know, you're thinking, like, right? You know, yeah, and, and the thing is, I'd rather you got a good point, but I'd rather lean, always lean to cutting than adding. Right. Because, because like now, if the two was like eight to one or something, you'd have it in here. You'd put you'd have put it in the ticket, right? But because it's three to one, maybe that I'm talking. Say, about, you know, right? we're talking about me, right? The way right. I play, right? So I, I wouldn't. Well, that's that what I want to do. I want this ticket yeah. to reflect yeah. the way so, you play. So, it's my opinion, but if this so, were your opinion, this is how you got it. Right? I, I I look at it this way. Here, let me just. Uh, do, 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 do. So in the first leg, those horses are seven to two and three to one to one and two, right? Right. And then in the last leg, you're basically first choice, second choice. Right. And then I got pretty good prices in the other two. Yeah, right? no, I know, I know. Like, you know, I know people who are listening and the guys who are spending like 200, you know, playing 40 combinations, 80 combinations are, are thinking I'm insane. But to me, the way I play to weigh it down, that first ticket with 32 combinations with, you know, seven to two, three to one in the first leg and the two favorites in the last leg, I don't care what's in the middle. I don't care. I'm not looking to hit hit for two thousand. With that small money, I'm looking to hit for twenty thousand. So for me, for me, that that first ticket with just the one, that's as thick as I want to go. Right. To me, it's no, 50, I, 50. I, Yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming. From. Yeah, yeah. I, I might. I'm almost probably go to the last ticket where I'm just saying, you know, cold to start, two horses, four horses cold, and then even give myself leverage with that money I was spending on four, on the 10 horse to to press the two and the three and the, the four horse spread and try to, you know, really kill it. If my opinion comes in, you know, when you, when you, when you play like this, you're, you're not looking, you know, you're not looking to get even on the day, on the week, you know, you, you want, you want to be able to recover a lot of losses, right? So 
you know, I, I play a bit different, but I, I, the way I play, uh, there's no way I'm adding another horse on that ticket. That hundred and first hundred, no way I'm throwing the two in there. Right. No way. No, I maybe, I, throw, I, them, I, maybe throw them both out. Right. And, well, and, and, and pick three. I don't know. And then even when I get to the pick three now, it just say I don't play the pick four. I get to that pick three. I'm not playing two four with two horses with four horses with two horses. Never in a million years with those prices. Right. Never, never, yeah. never, never, never. I'm going to key one of them or key the two, you know just key the two. You know my ticket might be two with one two three twelve with ten eleven, and two with one two three twelve with eleven, or just two with one two three twelve with eleven. Right. That, I, no, I, yeah. no but, I, I yeah for me I, I absolutely agree with you and. You know, I probably would definitely just narrow it down to one and and the pick three in that last leg. And I might even, you know, press the two and the three in that middle leg because I like those a little better than the one and the 12. So. Yeah. So. um, All right. And so I will um, I'll tweet this out for anybody listening that doesn't have it written down. Um, But I in it to me, this is. I mean, you could hit uh, for, you know, depending on how it comes in, you know, you could hit for it, all four of these. What The way you build the pyramid is you could, you could hit with all of them, right? Um, yeah, the bottom, one, the bottom one hits, the, everything else hits. Right. Yeah, so, and the way I play that, you know, that ticket uh, one with two with one, two, three, 12, 11, I'm always tempted to play that, you know, throw another $20 and you know, go, you know, narrow it down even more, just that. Oh, four, oh, even know, go even farther. Yeah, maybe play with, two. A two, with a two, three, like maybe a one, two, yeah, two and, three, and then, and then, Yeah, and then even play with just cold, cold, cold. You know, another yeah. five, another $5 might bring you back 8,000. So right. if right. you're absolutely right, you know what I mean? In you fact, why don't we do that? Why don't we put another leg on there? One, two, um. So you're saying just go cold. I was saying a two, three, eleven, but you say maybe just go cold to a uh, yeah, one with two, two with your two, three with eleven for five dollars more. It's an extra ten dollars. It's like nothing in the big scope of things, and, and that ten dollars could pay more than every other ticket. Right, and you know I told you I, I'm the only one I'm a little nervous about was that first leg. I actually. Um, to me, I want to be nervous about one or two legs, or I'm probably spreading too much, right? I mean, you got to take a few shots, um, or you're probably in the long run that's going to pay off. So I, I'm, I'm not nervous. Listen, I'm nervous in every leg, every day. <laughs> Something can happen. You know that. So just, yeah, you know. but I mean, I mean, one leg. In all, all I know is, all yeah. I know is, if your opinions are exactly right, right? That extra ten twenty dollars at the end can remove a lot of losses. You right. know, there's a lot of insulation there for nothing. I, I know. I was at another NHC. I was at the NHC, and I liked the twenty to one shot at the fairgrounds, and I basically played a pick three that was two by three by the twenty cold twenty to one, and then I did two by two, one by two, and then the last ticket that was 50 cents, I played the tickets the way I wrote them out for the exact amounts. And when I played that last ticket, I had like $23 left on my voucher. And that last 50 cent cold ticket, I just kept hitting it. Bum, 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 bum. And I hit. 
You know, awesome. I, I hit a $23 extra pick three that I don't know if it paid $90 for 50 cents with, with a, with a voucher during the NHC that that voucher was just as easy to get lost on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, but that's the beauty of what you do with this pyramid structure is you're really leveraging your, your best opinion. And, and, um, as you get w one further step up that pyramid, it kind of almost is an order of magnitude bigger score. And if you can get all the way to the top, you have a monster score. That's the beauty of it. And like you said, if you have that one time that you're right, it can make up for a lot of the times that you're not right. And yeah, even yeah. if you, if you're just close to being right, you can still make a good score. If you can get up two or three levels on the pyramid, right? Yeah. And I'll give another little bit of advice that that first ticket, the one with two, four with one, two, three, 12 with 10, 11. So that's uh, two, eight. So that's $8 for 50 cents, right? Let's see. Okay. For 50 cents. All right. Right. It's $8. Right, so right. If, if somebody only has $8 to play, 90% of the people are going to play that $8 there, right? Right. I would play it at the bottom. Try to make the play. big score. I yeah. would do a dollar, pick four, one with two, with one, two, three, 12, with 11. That's $4. And then do a $2 one, one with two, with two, three, with 11. Always play that bot. That bottom one's the one that were the, you know, the, the, that top ticket is, hey, that's great. That bottom tickets were, you know, when you increase your your bets, that's that's where the home runs are. Yeah, and the single singles are gold um, in these picks because, you know, if you go from ten horses to nine horses, it doesn't really change your ticket costs much. But if you go yeah. from two to one in a leg, you're cutting it in half. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. huge leverage if you can. You I'll know, I'll, I'll touch on another another mistake. You can just, you know, going back, just standing behind somebody watching them play a ticket. So they'll put in a $72 voucher and they'll punch out their pick four and the pick four comes out to $36. And instead of printing it and printing it again, they go back. Let's see where we can put a couple in here and a couple in here and a couple in there. It's I know the opposite people, of what you're doing where you're pruning them, they're adding you, them. You have a ticket written out, right? It's cost $36 and you're saying, okay, you know what? I was going to spend 36. I got, let me just put the whole 72 in here. Just hit it again. Or, you know, like it's, you see people do all the time. I call them Liberace's. They, they go race and they, they start playing the piano, you know, till they, till they finish their voucher off. All right. Well, this is great. So I will, um, I'll tweet out this pick for anybody listening ahead of time. Um, and I will also send the link out to the blog piece I wrote where I talked to Tommy and some other people about how they approach the pick five. And we talked about this pyramid technique that we used, that Tommy used here um, in a little more detail. And you can see it written down um, if you couldn't quite follow along verbally. Um, so I encourage you to look at that. There was also some good ideas from some other players in terms of how they play the pick five. but. Um, you know, we did a pick four here, but it's the same exact principle. It's, it's um, just like Tommy talked about that example where he had, where he hit at Santa Anita. So that was great. Um, it's, uh, this is the longest pod I've ever done, Tommy. Um, <laughs> but it was great. I enjoyed every minute of it. I really appreciate your taking the time. You're always so willing to share 
Uh, I know this of you, just anybody who has questions it, um, on track or off, uh, you know, offline, NHC, whatever, you're always willing to share. And that's one of the things I really like about horse players in general is they, um, you know, there is some, uh, even though we're competing against each other, you know, by definition and paramutual wagering, there's still a lot of camaraderie and 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 willingness to kind of share and, and coach especially the the newer younger players and i think that's really important because to keep the game going you got to get an influx influx of new players and it can be a little intimidating to get started in so it really helps to have people like you that are willing to share um, yeah and, and I, yeah you know what chris more importantly uh the players that are already in this game it's like you you alluded to earlier Everyone in that room is a teacher, not a competitor, really. There's always something to be learned with conversing with other horse players. And I'm not arrogant enough to, you know, I, I really, you know, you said, you know, you can learn bad things from other people, but I'm always interested just to analyze everyone. And, and, and you never know where you can find good tidbits from. Never. You know, you'd be surprised. Absolutely. All right. On that note, I want to end it. I want to thank you again, Tommy, um, for everything, not just for this, but, um, you know, I've learned a lot from you over the years. Um, and, uh, I always enjoy talking with you. And I also want to thank everybody for listening in on this or any of the pods, especially this one's long, but definitely worth a listen. Um, who knows, maybe we even helped, uh, help you, Hit the pick for tomorrow. Um, and and I want to end with, um, I hope that you all boldly go where no horse player has gone before. All right. Make some money and get that hammer so you can ring that bell. 